ago. <laughs> yes. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put my tweet from today. Uh, shout out Dan Bongino for the retweet. Thank you, sir. Um, because I attached my Biden Inc. and the documents thread to it. So if anybody wants to take a look through all that stuff and say there's no evidence it's been debunked, uh, that's incorrect. I have a mega thread of evidence. And so, uh, you know, watching the uh, Hunter Biden fiasco going down, I'm, I'm here for it. A lot of dubs. A lot of dubs going around right now. Maximum dubbage. Maximum dubbage. Yes. So, and like you said before, Mr. Trash Panda, the um, the you're wrong section does not exist in your as, as, extensive binder. As I was flipping through my binder, I was looking at the times I was wrong section. I, it's very thin. It's very very thin. <laughs> I'm also good, I'm also going to attach the Heritage Foundation uh, Project 2025 thread down there as well. <laughs> yeah, That's fantastic. Yeah. The binder, the binder in that section is awfully thin. So. Yes. Very thin. <laughs> Everyone, please retweet the space. Do the things. Retweet. And if you really love us, you will quote tweet with something and with something. retweet your quote tweet. Thanks. Boom. Boom. Thanks. Thanks. Boom. Thanks. <laughs> Everyone, right. come on in. Grab a seat. Grab a notebook. Mm -hmm. Grab a, uh, grab a coffee. Grab, have a coke and a smile. I don't know, but just come on in. Grab but, a yeah, drink. We'll yes, it is Friday for it's Friday afternoon for some even. It is Friday after. It is Friday afternoon for me. It is for you, not for me yet. It's no. still 11, 11 or twelve. Oh no, it is twelve. No, it is. You're only two hours. How about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we'll let everybody kind of make their way in here and we'll start talking. We'll, we'll start discussing all of the uh, fun things, all of the things that are going on right now. This is a great idea. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I think so too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's go. Hold on. Let's, I got to put it on. My okay. So as we're waiting for everybody to come on in. Um, this is not like one of my our typical like drill down topical type spaces. This is going to be more of like a general discussion, kind of reviewing of all the stuff that uh, we've been putting work into over the last year um, and starting to finally see some movement, starting to finally see a glimmer of hope that maybe, just maybe, we can start moving uh, the ball down the football field here a little bit. So, uh, I think it's more than a glimmer. I just try not to be too optimistic, you know? Oh, I'm optimistic as big. I mean, I'm optimistic, but, you know, I'm just not trying to let it uh, overtake me, if you will. I see. Well, what's more than a glimmer? Because that you can keep your glimmer of hope, but I'm going to raise you Ooh. to a... Let me, let me Google. Okay. Real quick. Let's look, what let's look, let's look. is more than a glimmer of hmm. hope? Let's see what Google says. What is more than a glimmer of hope? Just give me a, just give me an answer. Oh, that's gross. A gleam. 
A gleam. Oh, there you go. Let me ask Gross. Yes. I, yes. What would be more than just a glimmer of hope? Let's see what Grog has to say. Grog says, a glimmer of hope is often small and faint, like seeing a distant lighthouse through a dense fog. But more than just a glimmer of hope could be like the sun breaking through the clouds after a storm, bringing warmth, light, and the promise of a new day. It's a profound, uplifting, and inspiring feeling that things are going to get better. And it fills you with renewed energy and motivation to face whatever challenges lie ahead. Okay. There it is. Okay. That is what I will raise you. I, I, I'm here for it. Good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to screenshot this and attach it down in the chat so people can read it for themselves. Thanks, so bro. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love you. it. Happy Friday to everybody. Uh, as you guys can tell, we were both in fantastic moods for many, for a multitude of reasons. Um, you know, I, as you guys know, I've been just been relentlessly chasing down all the receipts I can possibly chase down on what is effectively called Biden Inc., which I think Politico nailed in that article from 2019, which is in the thread that I put in there. But and that covers really the corruption of the Biden family name from like 2003 and on. And it doesn't cover the stuff, you know, as Joe took over a point in China and Ukraine <coughs> under Obama's administration. So and that's kind of where I pick up the pieces and, and continue to put all that out. But what we saw yesterday were, was the Biden uh, Hunter Biden indictment out of California for the felony tax charges. Now, everyone's like, oh, blah, 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 taxes. Well, that, that's how you get. It's how you take down corrupt organizations and individuals. It's through tax stuff, because obviously you do everything you can to hide where you're making dark money, illegal money or corrupt money. And I think so. The tweet that I put out today was from Dan Bongino's show because he's accurate and I agree with it is and Catherine Herridge of CBS, who's been just one of the only reporters at CBS doing her job. And she she's hopeful uh, that David Weiss will actually he in the in the documents, they left the door open for additional investigation and charges basically centered around uh, FARA, which is the Foreign Agent Registration Act. So, you know, obviously Hunter, and I've been saying it forever, Joe Biden needs to be registered under FARA. He is a foreign agent as a president because he received money in the interest of foreign governments, China, Ukraine, etc. And, uh, you know, Hunter was the bag man in the middle of it. And I think that even goes deeper. We probably will get into that once this room fills up a bit. I'm going to start talking about Blue, Blue Star Strategies again. Because that is where, that was kind of a go-between, uh, between Burisma and, and Zlochevsky and Hunter Biden and um, their company with Devin Archer and, and Eric Schwerin. So we're going to get into that as well. But the door is open for additional investigation and charges to come, and it's going to be FARA. Now, what's so important about the FARA charge is not so much saying, okay, Joe Biden should be registered as a foreign agent, but what's important about it is that then you have to answer the question, okay, he no, undoubtedly took money, and that's what these charges are about. He took this money and didn't, re and didn't pay taxes on it or report it correctly, but what was the money for? 
And that is the question. So we're going to get into that. Uh, I'm going to go through some of this stuff because that is ultimately the question that needs to be asked. What was the money for? We know it. It's a pay-for-play scheme. I mean, I have the email receipts from the Hunter Biden laptop showing it was a pay-for-play scheme. It shows that Sally Painter and Blue Star Strategies was the go-between to handle said money. But if he was receiving it from all these different governments and Chinese energy companies, CEFC, and Patrick Ho, who's in jail right now, actually. And what was it for? And so that is going to be the question. That is why Farah is so important. And from looking at the charging documents of Hunter Biden, that door is wide open for that to be be inserted. So that's why I made that tweet today. I think Dan Bongino is 100% accurate. And I brought the receipts uh, from the mega thread that I've been putting together over the year um, that shows all of these items. So we're going to go into that. Um, before we go into that, we're, we are, I mean, Maybe sometime we're going to go into Project 2025 and what the new administration would look like with Trump in the presidency, what Heritage Foundation's plan of Project 2025 entails, what it means, what what the deep state really is and how they're going to fix it. And we're also going to talk about what the next year of politics is going to look like. And when Savvy comes back, I know she's busy, she's got a client at work, but when she comes back, I think there's some things that she'd like to talk about as well that are really, 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 really exciting. So that's where we're at. Um, can I can let everyone make their way in? Let me take a look down in the chat here, see if there's anything that's been added that I was not aware of. Oh, wow. Uh, for some reason, my space is getting hit. I'm getting all these uh, show more replies errors. It's weird. Great. So that's fun. But... Uh, that should go away soon. From what I can tell from the algorithm, once that starts happening, it's like a mass report type thing. When you're when it's being mass reported, you'll see those show more replies like in like droves down in the down in your replies, and then eventually the algorithm catches it and resets it. So that will go away soon, which will explain why the room is so small still. So, but we're gonna get there, and um, a lot of interesting things going on. I also want to mention something that's not related to the title. But if you guys remember a couple of days ago, I mean, I did a space on this yesterday, um, but Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger, they uh, released more CTIL files, which is essentially there was whistleblowers that came from this group, CTIL, which is a government funded operation that was essentially the ultimate framework and the basis for starting of mass censorship of American speech starting in 2017. And all these documents show and prove that the government, number one, was paying for it. It was being run through this outside uh, outside group connected with CISA, which is under our Department of Homeland Security. Well, in the process of that discovery, uh, we stumbled across a several repositories. One of these repositories, one of these repositories is um, by the person that started the whole group, S.J. Terp. And she essentially on GitHub put everything that she had in the tools that they built on censorship into this one repository. So give me one second. Sorry, guys, I'm just walking through the office. Give me one second. Okay, so this repository, we're all digging through it. And 
this woman either stupidly or unwittingly basically linked everything that they had, everything they worked on, hashtags that they used on Twitter, uh, where they could all track what they were working on and who they were going to censor, what they were going after. And it's pretty crazy. And now it's been discovered that there were emails uh, with this group that they formed and Google as well. We found those. So a lot of stuff's going to be coming out and uh, working on that in the background. There's probably, my God, there's probably 20, 30 people going through all this stuff right now. And the stuff we're finding is absolutely nuts. And the hubris of these people that were censoring Americans that were creating these groups, they're openly bragging. I mean, like we found video from LinkedIn, all kinds of different communications on LinkedIn. We found um, different tweets with this hashtag. And if you follow that hashtag, it goes down to, it comes back to a conference that was held at the Neiman, uh, the Neiman Foundation at Harvard in 2017. It goes back to uh, the University of Indiana. It goes back to uh, Northwestern University. And all these universities were all working on these censorship products and basically building out this apparatus in 2017. What's interesting to note about the 2017 um, date is that in the same 2017, so in these CTIL files, this system by S.J. Terp and others, uh, another guy by the name of Pablo that came out of Naval Intelligence, they had a meeting in the Obama White House just before Trump took over in the inauguration. And in 2017, they had a meeting. And at, at, after that meeting, they started building out this, this censorship machine. But what's interesting to note is around that same time, David Brock had a meeting, uh, David Brock Media Matters. And this is when they established uh, Crew, which is like a super PAC opposition research firm uh, connected with a lot of the fake fact checkers. They established uh, American, I'm sorry, American Bridge was the oppo research pack. Crew was the legal lawfare enforcement arm of this group. And they also established uh, ShareBlue. Now, ShareBlue was basically the social media uh, monitoring and research fact-checking org that they established. And, of course, Media Matters. We all know what Media Matters is. If you didn't before, you know now with what's going on with Elon and everything. And it was at this 2017 meeting that they, they set all this stuff up as well. So it seems to coincide with not only this CTI League uh, censorship apparatus being built, it also coalesces with this meeting with David Brock. If you guys don't know who David Brock is by now, David Brock came uh, basically was a, supposedly a conservative. And then he went to work in Hillary's camp. He was instrumental in taking down Bernie uh, on behalf of Hillary. He brags about it openly and often. And then they set up all these different organizations. So it was all around the same time in 2017. This is after Trump took, and then Trump takes office. So what you've seen since 2017 is not just censorship. It's not just legacy media propaganda. It's not just um, the various different social media campaigns and influence operations, which is what CTI League is. But it was also the lawfare element. And this same group that, that, that created Crew they then went on to move on to uh, creating uh, Project 65 Project. Now, if you guys don't know what the 65 Project is, the 65 Project was uh, essentially what, what Crew was doing. And this was a group of individuals, including Executive Director Michael Teeter. And Michael Teeter, uh, is, is the, as the core of this, this is the group that tried to take out Jenna Ellis for representing Trump in 2020 election cases. 
any lawyer that brought 2020 election cases to court, this group went after and tried to get disbarred. Then they started going after the January 6th uh, defendants, uh, attorneys, and they're still going today. Matter of fact, the attorney in the Cary Lake case out here in Maricopa County is right now fighting with the bar because of these people, this 65 project, it's David Brock, Michael Teeter. And what's interesting to note about Michael Teeter, if you guys don't already know this by now, is that he's also the same attorney representing Ray Epps in the lawsuit against Fox News. So you, you just, you, you look at this whole picture of what, what 2017 on looked like. And it's really starting to really take shape of this massive apparatus that has been weaponized against the American people, was weaponized against Donald Trump, and weaponized against any attorneys that wanted to bring fair and just lawsuits to the courts. And you're seeing this, this undue prosecution they were all connected. We're seeing now that Fonnie Willis was talking with Benny Thompson in Congress, trying to get info from the January 6th committee, who magically just lost all that stuff that they had, including exculpatory evidence, most likely. And you're just seeing this breakdown of the machine. And Joe Biden is a wounded animal. Now you're seeing CNN come out and reporting on all this stuff. CNN legit was out there reporting confirming the contents of Hunter's laptop to be accurate the other day. And you're like, wow, CNN turned cheek? No. And just as Dan Bongino pointed out today as well, and I agree with him, no, he's wounded. And they get, they've got to figure out a way to get Joe out of there. But they're running out of time and they don't have any options. And I think it's very important to note, very, very important to note, that this, this indictment of Hunter Biden with an ongoing investigation, with a door open for FARA, means that if they ever thought about putting Michelle Obama up there to replace Joe Biden, that's all but gone. Because there's no way in hell Obama is going to want to get out in the middle of this in public. There's no way. Because then the question really becomes, when Farah is introduced into this case, okay, well, we know 10% for the big guy is probably Joe Biden, but Obama had to know about all of this stuff. And you can track Obama's wealth since he's left office. Did you guys know that he's the only president that moved into Washington, D.C. after his term, not out of it? He's the only one. And so this just raises a lot of questions. And I think, you know, as this case goes on and we start here, Jennifer, come up with me. I need help because Tiffany's away. Uh, Savvy's away. Um, this starts bringing questions. OK, what is if they do introduce the Sparrow, how deep does it go? And it does it go back to Obama. And I've always said that it does. It's always going back to Obama. He had to have known. That's why he put Joe Biden on point in China and Ukraine. It's just that Hunter's stupid. He's a drug addict. Somehow the laptop made its way to that repair place. I'm, I mean, I can go with the official story saying that he left it there. I, I have questions, but Regardless, the, the the information on the laptop is accurate. Well, not only did he move so, into D.C. trash, he also moved Valerie Jarrett in into his basement to run a shadow government against Trump and his administration in 2017. Yep. And that's you, you came in when I was describing what 2017 really looked like, because you remember when we had that space with uh, Matt Taibbi and the CTI files this is what I was talking about. The CTI files show in 2017, this SJ Terp person 
helped start this after a meeting in the, with Obama in the White House before Donald Trump took office. And then in that same 2017 is when David Brock had his meeting and they created Crew, American Bridge, Share Blue, and of course, Media Matters. And then you saw this apparatus go full, full tilt. Valerie Jarrett was in, wasn't she? No, she wasn't officially in the White House. That was, uh, that was, uh, what's her name? No, I'm pretty sure Susan Rice, Susan. but I'm pretty sure Valerie Jarrett was, she wasn't in the White House or she was in the White House. Mm-hmm. What was her position? I'm, I'm trying to think. I, I don't think that she was in the let me, let me. Dustin said special counselor. Yeah, she probably was special counsel. She was probably like as an attorney. Yes. Or um, special advisor just, or something like that to Obama. But she was literally his right hand in the White House. And then when they even wrote like a whole like piece on it about how she was specifically moving into the basement of Obama's new mansion in DC to run a shadow government uh, because they couldn't handle Trump, you know, won the election. Right. Yes. No, she was not in any capacity with the Biden administration, but yes, she definitely is Obama's, you know, right hand. So, so, that's kind of where we're at. So Jen, we started this space because, and when Savvy comes back, she, she can tell you, but there's a lot of really great things happening right now. Really good news. And she got some amazing news today. So I can't wait for her to share that. But um, yeah, so we're, uh, we're full speed ahead here, Jen. Like this Hunter Biden indictment. Have you gone through it at all? I haven't trash and we are actually driving right now. So I'm, I'm helping out as much as I can, but I, I can't be like too concentrated. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. It's just really interesting because basically Weiss has left the door open for Farah investigations to be, to go. And the reason that Farah is so important is because, okay, we know now they're charging him because he received the money from you know, foreign government and government interests like CEFC, Burisma, Ukraine, China. But the question around Farah is, what was the money for? And so that door is still open. Catherine Harridge over at CBS has been reporting on it. She's incredibly optimistic about it. You guys can go see it down in my uh, my little piecemeal thread that I put together with everything. Um, but she seems to be more optimistic that that is a real possibility that they're going to introduce Farah uh, violations. And once they do that, that's when the whole can of worms is opened. It's, it's dumped out because then they have to explain what the money was for. So that's what we're pushing for. And there's some karmic justice on, on a personal side note, which is why we're, we named the space karmic justice. But this is also Hunter Biden, Obama, Joe Biden. They're all connected into this. And then we will probably land the space on talking about Project 2025 with Heritage Foundation. We've already... Savvy and I have already done a couple spaces on it, um, but I'll just briefly mention it again in the space so everybody can uh, so everybody can kind of get a gist if they haven't already. But while we're waiting for uh, Savvy to come back, and I know you're driving, here's what I can do. I'll, I'll uh, let me pull up my tweet from today. Again, shout out Dan Bongino for the retweet. Really appreciate you, homie. Um, but this was from his show. To the hey. By the way, uh, yeah. Hey, Trash, did you see uh, the thing that Walter sent you? Because he had one of his, like, forensic people go through one of the uh, 
things that you downloaded yesterday and they found the actual program where you could look up tweets um, for fake news. Yeah, I haven't I haven't um, gone through it yet. I saw it and I saw the big uh, how it's all mapped out in graphs, but I did not see that tool. So that's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So this is about a two minute clip from Dan's show today. Uh, and again, I don't work for Dan Bongino or anything like that. Uh, I just his brain works similar to mine on how I approach breaking down information. And so I get a lot of value out of it. But I clipped this from today because it had both Catherine Herridge and Dan's kind of and my thoughts as well. I share them. So while I'm waiting for Savvy to get back as well, I'll play this two minute clip. It's it's interesting and I think it's worth listening to. So. So the good news is the charges are serious. The bad news, they're still covering for Biden and Obama. Catherine Herridge, though, read through the indictment like I did. And there is a window in there. Is David Weiss going to take it to run with the Foreign Agent Registration Act violations, FARA, where, where Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and Barama, or Barack Obama are going to be screwed? I don't think so. Herridge is a little more optimistic. I'm here to give you the facts. I'll give you both sides. She's a brilliant reporter. Listen to her. Now, you mentioned there could be more charges. What makes you think that? It's just my reading of, of the document in, in the first page. I think the language is uh, that they describe him as a lobbyist. Lobbyists have to register under what's called FARA, the Foreign Agents Registration Act, which is a, a government way of saying that if you're working on behalf of foreign interests, you have to tell the U.S. government. In this case, the indictment spends a lot of time talking about Hunter Biden's business deals with the Ukraine energy firm Burisma. It also talks about his work with a Chinese energy firm, CEFC, and it also talks about his work with Romania. And that, to me, seems to leave the door open to potential fear of violations. Folks, it's going to be really hard for David Weiss to ignore the obvious moving forward that you've put in a legal freaking court filing that Hunter Biden got money from Ukraine and China. Because the obvious question is going to be, what the hell was the money for? You get it? This is going to be a big issue. And I would expect that any Republican Justice Department would that does this fairly, by the way, not political. You had a vice president of the United States who it now appears quite obvious may have been a foreign agent for Ukraine. I don't mean, a, again, 007. I mean, an agent like the economic sense was working on behalf of foreign government. Folks, that's a huge freaking story. It's now in the indictment. They just didn't charge it. Yeah, I it's it, that that is that's the that's the that's the crux of it. That's the whole point. This is why we've been banging on and on about this for over a year that Joe Biden needs to be registered as a foreign agent. And, you know, I think while I'm waiting for uh, Savvy to come back, um, I'm back. Oh, OK. Well, hi, you want me to? Do you want me to shift gears away from what I was about to do and keep going through the Biden Inc. thread that I put together? Because I have a bunch of video clips here. Or do you, you can, want to talk about... Go ahead. You can do whatever you want, Trash. Well, I mean, you know, today's kind of your day. <laughs> do you want to talk about that? I'm very excited. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. So, so today yeah. was a big day for you, huh? 
today was a big day for me. Um, oh, okay, here we go. So I had lunch today with the director of the Trump team. Um, and starting and well, I will be making my debut working for the Trump team at the Iowa caucuses. And <laughs> I am, I can't, I don't, I can't y'all. I can't. Um, I am so very excited. I am also tasked with talking and searching for America first delegates within our state and nationwide. Um, and actually there's, multi-level reasons for this, but um, to have a Trump delegate base at the national uh, convention, uh, but to also whip delegate votes if, um, you know, if they're not necessarily going for our candidates. So I'm excited about that. But um, I'm really excited. They already kind of told me what my first job would be in Iowa. And I will be the head of the ambassador surrogate influencers in Iowa. <laughs> so I am really, really happy about that. Um, I'll be the director of that group. Um, so that just is, I I am just so very excited. I I don't even... Yeah, this is the first time I'm I'm sharing this, and I I figured I could do it on a bigger scale in one of your spaces, trash, because telling the story over and over, though it will never be tiring for me. It's just here's a base, here's everything, get it out. Um, I am so I'm over the moon, excited. I um, hold on. I have been working for this for 22 years, and today it's almost like um, the the start of oh my god, I I, I did this, I did it, um, and I couldn't have done it without so many of you, Trash Jen, um, Monica. I she has been my prayer partner, my prayer warrior, and I have to take a minute and thank you, Moni, for that. Because that phone call that we had, what, three, four days ago, that was so very impactful. And it meant the world to me. And then Mar Marissa being my number one ace cheerleader. And then Jen being my loud cheerleader. <laughs> um, but um, I'm just, I can't, I can't believe it. And I, I'm so proud of myself. I'm proud of everybody. Um, there is a, a a, a huge, huge battle ahead. We talked about strategy and timelines and how many of us are going to be active, not just on a state level, but on a nationwide level. And I, yeah, so I'll be introduced as part of the campaign at the Iowa caucuses. So let's fucking go. Sorry, Bonnie. Let's go. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, uh, that is, there's so much more to this, so many different layers, but that's, um, no, Monica, I am not moving to Iowa. 
Um, but I will be traveling with the campaign to Iowa. So, um, yes, <laughs> uh, I got your text. Um, yeah, so that's, a, that's the start. And it is, um, I'm just, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. So there's I am that. so that's... happy for you, Savvy. Freaking killed it, girl. Congratulations. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, does it, like I said, this is something, and I'm so proud because I'll be able to, sh- you know, show Collins that, that my daughter, my mini, that if you want something bad enough, that you can do it. You can achieve it no matter how long it takes to stick with it. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm really, really proud of that. And I have some more things in the works. I'm doing a part of a documentary for uh, Veterans for America First. I filmed that on Monday. And then I am um, have a meeting with Patriot Switch through the Gateway Pundit um, for something on Wednesday at 11. And then, of course, getting together state delegates. Um, so if you are a delegate or if you know a delegate of your state, um, please DM me or reach out and put me in contact with them. Um, so we can get that ball rolling. Um, so yeah, that's, that's sort of a, a very gloss over my lunch today. And it all happened in 45 minutes, which I was just like, holy smokes, this is really fast. So yeah. And so all the timeline and, and paperwork is actually being, uh, drafted worked right now and I'll have it within the week. So there's that. Oh, congratulations. I'm so happy for you. Oh, my God. Such great news. I'm glad you got to share it with everybody here, too, because, like, that's the point, right? We're just getting started. Yes, we are just getting started. And it's exciting because um, I am the type of person that, again, loyalty matters to me. And it's not just me that's going to win and elevate within you know, within our near future, but distant future too, like, um, no money, this is separate. I will be, I'll be leaving the, um, I love getting, uh, Monica questions. <laughs> she just texted me. I love you so much. Um, uh, no, I'll be leaving here. Hallelujah. Um, but yeah, so, but everyone, you know, loyalty and that, that is paramount to me and, it's not just me that gets to be elevated. It's it's all of us. And um, yeah, so to the moon. That's why I was like, screw the glimmer. Give me that gleam of hope. Because there, oh, and, and I know, ugh, y'all, I got a Lou Dobbs follow today. So with Trump team and Lou Dobbs follow, are you kidding me? And I had a cupcake waiting for me when I got back to my office. Stop it. Okay, nothing, nothing is going to slap the smile off my face today. So, um, yeah, so that's it. I'm still, I'm still processing. I really, I'm still processing. So there's that. And I'll be working with state. Oh, that's another cool thing. I'll be working um, alongside some state races, which I'm very, very excited about. Um, And I will need to utilize my blonde friend below me 
here in the state of Georgia um, with some of those too. So um, yeah, so I think that's pretty much it. I'm sure I'll think of way more things, but um, that's, that's it for right now. Well, I'd say that's a lot. It's not just a little bit. So congratulations. Uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, Dan Scavino tweeted something just for you today. Um, You're lying. And I decoded it. So, Oh, I'm my gonna, gosh. Stop it. I'm going to play what Dan Scavino tweeted just for you today. Okay. Oh, my God. Let's go, 2024. <laughs> Let's go. And Jen, I got your text. Abso-freaking-lutely, girl. Yes, ma'am. Um, yeah, thanks, Danny. Danny Scavino. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good, it actually is a good tweet. I was like, ah, oh, let's play this. This will be fun. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm, glad we, I'm glad we got to go over that. I'm, I'm so proud of you. Um, Thank you. I know, I know it's been a rough I know it's been a rough go this year and uh, it's got to mm -hmm. feel validating. It's got to feel validating. Yes, it does. Um, yeah, it has been very, very rough, but um, like I said, it, it's, it's very surreal. Like it's, I haven't, I haven't processed it all yet. I will probably be a ball bag by the time I get home. Um, which if you know me, you know, I cry at the drop of a hat for everything. Um, so, yeah, I cannot, I just can't stop smiling. I'm so, so excited. So, and I'll get to do a lot of things on a state level um, as, it, as it pertains to elections and signature verifications and, you know, meeting with America First lawmakers and America First candidates. That's, that's like, that's so exciting for me. And I got to name off a couple that I definitely wanted to work with, which was um, our current Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones, and hopefully our next Lieutenant Governor, if I can push him that way, Colton Moore. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I just, I can't wait. I'm so, sky's the limit. Sky's the limit. Awkward silence. What's happening? Oh, I was on mute. My bad. I was going to no, say it's, okay. it's, it's good to know that you're that, that you're going to be in, the campaign is going to be in good hands with you. Uh, a lot of people mm -hmm. don't know this, but you have an extensive binder of exactly how to execute a proper <sighs> ground game, and so Thank now you. you you actually do get to put that into action. And I, I may or may it. not have I may or may not have brought said binder with me to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got to bring all the so tools. So proud of it. 
Yeah, yeah. And yes. if you're going to be able to use it now. And so mm-hmm. not only are you going to be able to use it now, but then you're going to be able to show success with it. Right? Yes. So like your your mm-hmm. your 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 political capital and um market need is going to grow significantly over the next year and it's really going to mm-hmm. put you on the path I believe to where you ultimately really want to go, right? Mm. Yeah. So, so Yeah, I think um, you're right. Yeah. So this is just the start. Congratulations. This is the start. Thank you very much, Aaron. I really appreciate it. I couldn't have been here without you either. So I'm very, I'm very thankful. Very thankful. Excellent. And humble at the moment. I may not be as humble in Iowa, but (laughs) those who know, know. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Mm -hmm. So this next year, there's going to be a lot of work to do. Um, it's kind of like a lot of stuff that we're talking about here. Um, mm-hmm. so if you guys don't know, if you guys don't know, uh, follow us cause we do spaces on heritage foundations, project 2025, what the transition team looks like, uh, once a Republican is in office, i.e. Donald Trump and what taking down the administrative state looks like, what the administrative state is, what it actually is, what or effectively called the deep state. And then how to go about with tangible results and a plan to transition over and to start getting back the government to the size it should be, number one. Number two, restoring power to the cabinets and the executive where it belonged. And reducing the layers in between cabinet secretaries and uh, the rank and file government employees or what's effectively, affectionately known as the DMV class of uh, administrative employees within the government that really kind of run this country and they're running it in the ground. And so this is part of that plan. Uh, Matter of fact, Savvy, I was gonna go into the Biden Inc. and the documents thread, but Mm -hmm. maybe I should just, since we're talking about you and the Trump campaign and what 2024 is gonna look like, Maybe I just kind of do an overview of what Project 2025 is again with my thread and the videos and James Bacon. Maybe we do that. What do you think? I think I think that's a great idea. May I make one quick statement? Um, of course, of course. Thank you. Um, so I already got a. I've already gotten several DMs, but one of which I do, and I'm, I won't mention because I don't. I don't know if that's okay. But she'll know I'm talking to her because I already kind of DM'd her back. However, this does not at all change. Um, reaching out to me or sending people my way to get involved or to see, you know, what, you know, or, or, you know, for ideas, for changes or anything like that, like that, this does not, if only, if anything, it, it sort of elevates this. And I still, that is still my passion and it will always be my passion to energize and organize people, get people involved, help them any way that I possibly can. So this, that does not change a bit, period, end of story. Um, I, I appreciate that DM, but girl, uh-uh, no. I, my DMs are open for that very reason and none of that will change. Yeah, like like you said, I think it's only going to bolster it and give you more resources, opportunities, and network to actually affect more change at a rap- at a more rapid pace, and not have to feel like you're ice skating uphill trying to get something done. So, it'll just oil the gears a little bit better. 
and you'll be able exactly. to focus. Exactly, and then you may continue. And, and you'll be able to focus full-time on all this stuff, too. I mean, you know, it's hard being a mom and an employee of a job and then also doing this. So it's going to definitely, definitely sharpen and and speed up the process of what you can get stuff done. So really proud of you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So people ask us, okay, great. Well, if Trump gets in the White House, what then? Or what are we going to do over the next year? What, what does that look like? Or... Okay, but, you know, Trump, he had a chance. He had terrible people around him. He didn't have the right people. What's the plan? Well, Heritage Foundation and a multitude of groups, and we're talking, if you have never seen it, it's, it's unbelievable the people involved that created this Project 2025. And it absolutely addresses every sector of personnel uh, within the incoming administration, who should be where and what they're going to address by going there. We did a space on this a couple of weeks ago regarding the immigration piece, and we broke down exactly what they plan to do with immigration, what agency they're going to move it underneath, and then how they're going to trip, uh, slim it down, reduce all the funding for this, this, and then actually secure the border, close the border, and then manage the issue we have with the unfettered migration that we've experienced over the last few years and how to address all that. And so I know Tom Homan's been out there talking. He was the former director of the Department of Homeland Security. He's got plans. I know he's going to be involved with that. But Project 2025 is a 970-page book, essentially, outlining in detail exactly how to solve all of the problems and with the administration coming in, who they're going to put where, what they're going to do about it. But if you really want to understand what the deep state is and what the administrative state is, James Bacon, it was interesting because if... Savvy remembers. I, I came to her earlier this year when I saw it. I was like, hey, check out this Project 2025. No one's talking about it. Um, this is probably the most effective plan I've ever seen for a transition team ever. And and so we were going to go into it later, later in the election cycle uh, and start breaking down what Project 2025 was. But then hit pieces started coming out and they're trying to already change it as if that's that's what they're using to say, you know, Donald Trump's going to be a dictator, blah, blah, blah. And it's because the IC and the administrative state is panicking because this is a real plan. And James Bacon, one of the guys that was kind of at the forefront of creating this plan, working with Heritage Foundation and several of the other think tanks and institutes and conservative outlets and, and uh, thinkers, uh, conservative thinkers of our time, they all put this together. And they fought, they argued. Uh, Robert Bose was in here uh, last time we did the Heritage Foundation. Uh, and he was explaining, he was like, listen, there was a lot of people that actually agreed on this plan that it goes it goes against their own self interests. So there was there was a lot of debate. There was a lot of um, you know there was a lot of discussion about how to craft this thing. Well, so here I put together this thread. I saw James Bacon go on TimCast, and I was like, this seems like a perfect time to roll it out since they're now they're talking about it nationally. And so I clipped some of what James was saying on that TimCast episode. It was only about they only talked about it for like. 10 minutes. But I think it's worth your time because he really explains the genesis of this and what it is going to address. So I'm going to go through that thread. It's my pinned tweet on my profile because, like I said, Savvy and I do these spaces about this plan. So I like to keep it easily accessible. Uh, but you can see it for yourself. But I'm going to play these clips and go through this so I can kind of explain what exactly is the administrative state, what exactly they plan to do about it. your project with Heritage? 
Yeah, that's the idea behind Project 2025 at Heritage, actually, which is basically an effort to get the personnel right this next administration, and also an effort to make sure that the bureaucrats that have the true levers of power in our bureaucracy are able to be held accountable. That doesn't mean we're going to fire all of them, but if somebody is obstructing policy, it's making sure that person can be fired. Because, you know, all these candidates love to talk about what they're going to do, but if you don't first get the bureaucracy under control, you can't do anything else. With your project with James, like how much of, of the president's value and effectivity is like based is all around that one guy and around how much of it is around the people he surrounds himself with? Well, I think it's been a trend in American politics since FDR of the presidency becoming more and more ceremonial over time to the point today where today's president has a 100th the power that FDR did. Uh, Curtis Yarvin has talked about that a lot. Um, the deep state has become a massive problem. And the people truly pulling the levers of power are kind of this expert class at the top of the bureaucracy that, of course, leans left and is permanent. You know, they have civil service protections and it makes it hard for a president to control the bureaucracy and control the policy. And it, it's not just for Republicans. It's for Democrats, too, although the bureaucracy just tends to agree with them more. It's kind of just a coincidence. FDR create this managerial class? Why did he put people in, in the middle? So FDR was spinning up all these new agencies in the 30s during, during the New Deal. And he wanted to put in place a system that would last after he left. So he did this thing where he got all these progressive academics to come up with a plan for how can I um, better, better make this administrative state work. And these progressive academics based their plan on the monarchies in Europe which had massive bureaucracies when, when the United States didn't. And FDR took their plan and he implemented it. And so it's this idea of a permanent expert class, an expert class that keeps the policies going no matter who the president is. It's the antithesis of democracy. Was it because FDR created this man? So, yeah, I mean, so that's essentially what started it. There's more here. I'm going to play more, but I just didn't want to just keep going without kind of addressing some of this stuff. So you can kind of get the idea of what happened here. You know, FDR wanted to have a legacy and create this permanent expert class. The, the same experts were monarchists and they had the idea um, that having this permanent expert class within government would remain consistent and they could push forward uh, their ideas and agendas. Well, most of these experts that, from academia were all leftists. And this was this is why it's constantly, you know, expanding the size of government, justifying their roles within the government and then actually working in between how the executive is supposed to work with the cabinet and its general employees. And these are the folks that are actually running the country. So next we're going to get into in 1978, Congress had passed the Civil Service Reform Act. Now, this was it was establishing the Office of Personnel Management, and it was designed to put a check on the administrative state. But as usual, and of course, no one was paying attention and it got compromised. And but they the, this is the, the power is still within the executive through the Office of Personnel Management, through the Civil Service Reform Act, where they, the administration can actually start making these steps. 
And it's not just to like the, the schedule F employee thing. That's one of many tools that they're going to be able to use to reform how the bureaucracy operates and getting like the national security administrative deep state out of the white house and back to where it belongs. So we're going to go into that now, but this is, this is how they're going to be able to do this. It's not just talking about what it is. This is how you can do it. So let me play that. Doing to combat this issue. So there's the there's a lot of things the president can do, but basically all the tools the president has are in the Civil Service Reform Act of 1978, which actually was passed by Congress to help the president better control the deep state because it had become such a problem, and it created an agency called the Office of Personnel Management, and they're supposed to manage the bureaucrats. But what's happened over time is that agency that was created got captured by the bureaucrats themselves. So it's totally captured. So you have to take back that agency and then use the legal authorities that that you have, which there are many. You know, people know about the Schedule F executive order. They're familiar with that. That's one of like 10 things the president can start to do to hold the, the bureaucracy accountable. Like, what are the top five powerful roles that they would pick and put? I know chief of staff would be one of them. Chief of staff is extremely important. I think I don't think it's necessarily the roles. I think it's the actions the president would need to take. There is a massive barrier between the president and his own cabinet secretaries. So there's a White House bureaucracy within the White House itself. And they kind of serve as this management barrier where they they tell the president's cabinet secretaries what to do instead of the president directly. And this, this management bureaucracy was cre- created under FDR, and it's only grown bigger and bigger. So I think the f- next president needs to do things like kick the National Security Council permanent bureaucrat staff out of the White House on day one. Do things like that. You know, Make sure that your cabinet secretaries are being told by you solely what to do. There's too many middlemen that the president has. So if you cut down on these layers of bureaucracy and tell your decision makers exactly what to do. That's that's kind of the way of managing it. And the other thing is the president needs to delegate less and follow up more. That That's the key to all of this, because these bureaucrats thrive in the shadows. They don't want to be confronted. Yeah. If, if the president and his cabinet secretaries dig into these agencies, they are going to figure out how things are really run and they're going to get a better handle on this stuff. Everyone maybe is a, is not the right move, but to go in and, and be very selective about who and what to remove, or do you think more of just a broad sweeping seventy five percent reduction of the workforce among the managerial class? What do you think is more effective? I think you need to do uh, parts of both. So you need to do reductions in force, where you get rid of these non essential workers, the non essential bureaucracy. I like to say there's a deep state at the top. That's the left wing expert class, but then there's like the DMV state below them. And these are like the millions of unionized, civil service protected employees. It's 2.25 million employees, and the president can only hire and fire at will 4,000 of them. So 99.9% of his own employees he can't fire. So you have to you know, get rid of the non-essential ones, and you can use reduction force exercises, which is just a fancy term for mass government layoffs, to do that. But then at the top, it's more you know, picking apart um, certain places where the bureaucracy has a hold, like the State Department. 
you need to go in and tear that place apart. If people are resisting, you need to fire them. Um, but there's there's a lot of nuances to it. How, how would you implement reduction force exercises? You would look at the parts of the federal government that are truly non-essential. And it's funny because we already have a list of these positions. When, it, when the government shuts down, all the non-essential workers go home. And we have this list that we like are like, you're not even that important, leave. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so you're not going to fire all those people, but what does it being non-essential mean? It means they're non-essential in some way. Yeah. Is there like an so executive? Start from there and look at that. Is, would it be an executive order that would be like, this would put it into action or something? This, this agency, uh, Office of Personnel Management, would do it. So, for example, on day one, you could say, we're doing a reduction in force to get rid of all the diversity, equity, and inclusion offices across the federal government. And let's just start there. How so that's essentially the, the overview of essentially what Project 2025 um, hopes, to, hopes to achieve. So then when you go into it, uh, if you go to that thread that's pinned to my account, uh, I actually included the entire... Uh, PDF, 920 pages, and you can go through it and you can look at it. Um, matter of fact, I'll open up a link and kind of just give you an overview of what it looks like here. So like I said, it's about 920 pages and it's very thorough. And you can see all the different groups that were involved with Heritage on this and crafting this. Um, and here are the sections, right? So you've got the forward, a promise to America, all that stuff, the transition project, it kind of explains it. But then section one is taking the reins of government. And that's what essentially James was explaining right there. That's essentially what, what you just listened to was section one of Project 2025. So it's the White House office, executive office of the president of the United States, central personnel agencies and managing the bureaucracy, right? Uh, and then number two, you got the common defense. So this is going to be Department of Defense, Christopher Miller, Department of Homeland Security, Ken Cuccinelli, uh, Department of State, Kyron Skinner, uh, Intelligence Community, Dustin Carmack, uh, media agencies, U.S. Agency for Global Media, Mora Namdar, uh, Corporation for Public Broadcasting, Mike Gonzalez, and Agency for International Development, and Max uh, Primarac. Then you've got Section 3, which is the general welfare. So you've got Department of Agriculture, Department of Education, uh, Energy, EPA, Health and Human Services, Housing and Urban Development, which they're going to put, looks like they're going to put Ben Carson back in that. Um any other notable names here? Department of the Interior, Department of Justice, Gene Hamilton, uh, Department of Labor and Related Agencies, Jonathan Barry. Interesting. Uh, uh, Department of Transportation. Now, Department of Transportation is interesting. Savvy, you remember this. When we did the immigration, what they want to do is they actually want to move a lot of our uh, Border Patrol and our uh, immigration like agencies underneath the Department of Transportation. And the speculation is, is because it's a completely transparent and I'm assuming limited amount for funding. And so when, if they move it to the Department of Transportation, it's going to make it much more transparent. And then of course, so that's kind of the speculation on it. I haven't gotten the answer on that, but I think when we were talking, when Robert Bose was in here and we were asking him about it, that seems to be the general thesis that that's why they're moving into the DOT. Uh, Department of Veterans Affairs, then section four is the economy, right? So you got uh, Department of Commerce, you got Department of Treasury, uh, Import Export Bank, anything else in your Federal Reserve, um, Trade, obviously, 
and Section 5 independent regulatory agencies. So the SEC, uh, the FEC, FTC. Um, so basically all of those different. And it looks like, uh, oh, it looks like Robert Bowes is pegged for the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Interesting. Good job, Robert. I think he'll do well there. So, yeah. Um, but that's the plan. You guys can go through it and take a look at it. You got the acknowledgments, all the different groups that contributed to this. I mean, they had everybody involved on this. It's really, really impressive project. And you can take a look at it, who was all involved. And there's some people in here that you can see that they were involved and some of this plan goes against their own interests. So it's really interesting to note that I think is it not only technically kind of bipartisan, but it's definitely heavily conservative. But the different issues that like, you know, more, you know, establishment neocons were involved at the same time, populist conservatives were involved. But it seems like everyone kind of came together on this and said, okay, we can put our differences aside for now, but we've got to fix this country. And that's where this plan comes from. Yeah, Savvy, go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to, just to kind of piggyback on that, that Project 2025 just isn't a bunch of really cool ideas, right? They, with each section um, that they tackle, within those sections, it explains in detail how to do it, the budgeting, um, you know, EOs that need to happen, Um you know, laws that need to be examined and changed, looked at, whatever. I mean, it's extremely detailed. Um, and I think that's that's the beauty of this because everyone is like, well, what's the plan and how do we do it? And this is that plan. Yep, 100%. And that's why it was so important to me, I think, that we were covering it. You know, remember when I came to you and I said, hey, look at this. And um, they're like, whoa. And for once, there was a, a public and real plan put together. And keep in mind, guys, if you guys have expertise and you do want to join the administration, the inbound administration, you can actually help participate and join uh, Project 2025. I know of a couple people um, that have just recently joined that team um, that were specialized in, in various different things. So uh, definitely. And America First Policy Institute. Don't forget about them, Trash, because you can I'm also apply there. there. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Yes, America First Policy Institute as well. And obviously, you guys know what they do with like America First Legal over there. Uh, a lot of the stuff that they've been working on. Very similar group to kind of what Judicial Watch was with Tom Fitton. America First Policy Institute is basically working. It's essentially going to fill the gaps that Project 2025 doesn't address. Not for any reason. It's just kind of a supplementary. So if you right. look, so ahead. Project 2025 protects the incoming administration, right, and the people and personnel around, and how to how to do that. America First Policy Institute, um, you know fills in the puzzle pieces as far as platforms or pillars that our party, um, you know, was founded on and how to put those into place. Um, if you look at a lot of like Agenda 47, that's a lot of America First Policy Institute policies. Um, 
and it's how to implement those policies. That's right. Um, so, and I, if you pull up the website, the AFPI website, uh, they, they're, they're talking about, okay, what is the, what is the crafting of policy going to look like, uh, in the first, you know, hundred days and part of the transition and what, what, what needs to be done and what needs to be addressed right away. And there's a video, I haven't watched it yet. It's on their site. I think I might just play it if you want me to, Sav. I don't know what this video is, but we can play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hear it. It's like, the inter- it's like an introduction to it, so. Since the inception of America in 1776, our constitutional republic has operated on the principle of delegated authority given by the people to the government. Now, in recent decades, our federal government has abandoned this first principle. The Washington swamp and deep state, choosing to operate in the shadows, taking their cues from globalists while ignoring the will of the American people, weaponizing the government against its own citizens. Administration weaponizing the federal bureaucracy to go after political opponents. From targeting moms and dads who are guided by morals. That there was a snitch line for tips about parents at school board meetings. How are parents suddenly criminals? Bourbon mom, domestic terrorists. Christians guided by faith. They're trying to put informants in the parish. Federal Bureau of Investigation have been targeting some Catholics. Christians in general. And declare them to be the actual criminals. And presidents guided by America First policies. Donald Trump has been Trump has indicted. been indicted. President Trump has been indicted for the fourth time in five months. Quite frankly, one rogue bureaucrat is one too many. Effective transition planning is vital to reining in the administrative state and stopping the weaponization of government. That's why our work is so important. We are assembling the team and fighting back. And this will be done through the America First Transition Project. Dozens of experienced, battle-tested leaders have joined forces to ensure we are ready to govern on day one of a new America First administration. Wise warriors who are in the trenches and know how government works and how it doesn't. We'll see a new administration empowered by the American people. Those individuals now numbering over 400 volunteers of former senior Trump administration officials are helping us devise plans Make sure the next administration is ready on day one. Ready on day one. On day one. Ready on day one. Simply, the administration needs to be ready on day one with the right policies, the right personnel, and the right plan. Introducing the America First Transition Project. Let's go. That was a good video, actually. So, again, that is, you know, that's part of this. That's part of this plan moving forward. So... You know, this is a big doesn't day. Doesn't that get you? Doesn't that give you all the goosebumps? I'm like, yes. oh, I was getting it. I was definitely getting I it. I know. Sure. But so, like, so, like, let's look at this landscape. Let's let's kind of kind of recap where we're at here, Sab. So, obviously, you've had a massive day. Uh, you're joining the Trump uh, Trump campaign and team. You are going to be a, obviously a vital role in working with delegates and surrogates and working on ground game in Georgia. So it's a big day for you today. Congratulations. And we have a year ahead of us, right, to be ready and to keep pushing. And so that's why going over this Heritage Foundation Project 2025, going over this America First Policy Institute transition project is why it's so vital, because there is a real tangible plan and people need to start talking about it, not start talking about what they saw on CNN or MSNBC. Like the time for retail politic arguments is over. I'm not interested. 
They've let me know that they have no interest in sitting at a table to disagree with me. Therefore, I am not interested in having those arguments anymore. People are going to choose to believe the lie or the truth, and it's up to them, and I really just don't care. But when they go and they can't make their paycheck stretch because our, our, our economy is inflated through the roof, and they see nothing but just constant political uh, attacks on a, on a currently sitting candidate, favored to win, by the way, and if they can't wake up through all that, then I got nothing for them, and that's fine, and I wish them well. We just have to, we just have to figure out how to keep pushing forward. So I'm interested in tangible results. So Project 2025, America First Policy Institute, these open cases that we were talking about with Hunter Biden, how the door is still open for the FARA uh, investigation. And if they do include FARA, that means they have to answer the question, what was the money for? And once they have to answer the question of what was the money for, it goes back to both big guys. I think it goes back to Joe Biden, ultimately Obama. And that remains to be seen, but we need to keep pushing foot on the gas. You cannot let up. Um, and we've got primary season coming up. Sure, whatever. It's fine. Let let the let the alligator emojis argue with themselves on the Internet. A bunch of lefties anyway. And so I really just don't care in engaging with that stuff. Um, I need I would like to pay attention to what 2024 and 2025 would actually look like. What is the agenda? What are the policies? Who are the who who, who is going to be staffed where? How do you start to dismantle through the Office of Personnel Management, dismantling the administrative state that is bloated beyond proportion, that FDR put in motion, that can be fixed? And that's what these, these plans, these policies are going to address. And so it's going to be all gas, no brakes, and you can't let up. And, you know, Dan Bongino, of all people, said this today on his show because, you know, people always ask and they say this to me all the time. We know, bro, but what's, what's it matter? Nothing's going to be done about it. Yeah, well, I'm not entirely sure that not only did we did the judge crater that sweetheart deal that Hunter was going to get, but then it forced Weiss to actually have to put forth a legitimate uh, investigation. Might I add, out of California, not Delaware, which is important to note, just to be clear. And so I think that the public sentiment and all gas, no breaks and, you know, all the work that we've done talking about censorship and, and, and discussing things with uh, staffers on the Hill of these committees some of that stuff that's coming through in the committees, we we were working on, we were talking about. And, and I can tell you personally, I know this for a fact because I've talked to people on the Hill about this stuff. How do we, what questions do we ask? Who do we subpoena? What information do we need? It's true. This, is, this has really happened over the last year. And so this is the kind of results that are happening. And people say it's slow. I agree. It is slow. And people are like, well, we just want them impeached and want them in jail. Okay, well, that's not reasonable. Okay, that's not really a reasonable, tangible result. And furthermore, um, the political capital and gain by going through this slowly, methodically, and bringing the information in bite-sized pieces to the general public over the next year, it's going to be so damaging. And if we keep, if we just keep the, keep the pressure up, it's going to be so damaging to not only just Joe Biden, but many other, many, many, many other candidates in these state and national races are going to be affected by this. You're already seeing a lot of the neocon establishment not pursuing an additional term. Why? Because during that one motion to vacate, there was so much pressure that the grassroots were putting on these local, on their representatives, that they don't want any piece of it. Namely, Ken Buck, Kay Granger. And now we're seeing another person uh, just saw recently uh, that was part of these holdouts uh, and this motion to vacate. They're not seeking a reelection term. That's three that I know of. And so we're starting to see pressure now from populist candidates on the conservative side, keeping the pressure up. Never stop talking about Hunter Biden. Never stop talking about Joe Biden. Put this information out there. 
then people say, well, what do we do about it? That's why Savvy and I are always talking about Project 2025 and America First Policy Institute. This is the pressure. Yes, I understand we're just having a space. There's only 220 people listening, but we've been doing this over the, over the course of the year and thousands have listened. And this information is making it out of X into other places. So we're just going to keep on keeping on. But that's kind of the general theme of today. And it's kind of celebrating Savvy's new gig with the Trump campaign and, and ultimately what 2024 and 2025 looks like. So I'll land there for a second, Savvy, if you want to add something. No, 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 you're right. Um, but also to your point that this is being like our spaces on Project 2025, um, they are being listened to by the right people and people are wanting to get involved. And that's exactly, that's exactly what we need because you have to understand there will be a lot of states that won't come online for their campaign. I mean, and won't go hard until August of next year. So if you think from August to November, that is not a lot of time. And this is where grassroots is important to get involved period, end of story. Because, you know, as far as President Trump's campaign goes, they're being extremely fiscally conservative, as they should be with everything else, um, you know, being thrown at him currently. But this will help you and educate you on what needs to happen with the next administration, you know, certain policies that are extremely passionate to all of us. And the platform that you are fighting for and to be equipped with those tools and this knowledge is only going to help you in your, you know, your grassroots efforts. So it's not just, you know, agenda 47, it's product 2025. It's America first policy Institute. It's, there are so many different tools at your disposal and we need all hands on deck because August to November isn't a long time, but we can cover so much ground before that time, if that makes sense. Um, so I encourage you all to, you don't have to read that, the whole 920-page document like right now, right? Take it in bite-sized pieces, as Trash likes to say, um, but be prepared. You know, prepare yourself, prepare, you know, your your GOP, your grassroots organizations, um, because it's this is a lot of work. And this is why Trash and I are so, and Jen as well, are so passionate about this, because it is so very important. It really is. And it looks like, actually, we have some new information, Sav. So apparently, uh, Mr boss himself has released a three-minute video on how he plans to take down the deep state. Just so, press play. Let me see if I can find it real quick. I saw Josie. Pump the up the yeah. volume. Pump up the volume. All right. Pump up the volume. Trump. Trump. <laughs> I got it. All right. It's about three minutes long. So I found it here. He says he's going to obliterate the deep state. So here we go. It's about two hours ago, it looks like. One, uno momento, por favor. Here's my plan to dismantle the deep state and reclaim our democracy from Washington corruption once and for all, and corruption it is. First, I will immediately reissue my 
2020 executive order restoring the president's authority to remove rogue bureaucrats. And I will wield that power very aggressively. Yeah. Second, we will clean out all of the corrupt actors in our national security and intelligence apparatus. And there are plenty of them. The departments and agencies that have been weaponized will be completely overhauled so that faceless bureaucrats will never again be able to target and persecute conservatives, Christians, or the left's political enemies, which they're doing now at a level that nobody can believe even possible. Third, we will totally reform FISA courts, which are so corrupt that the judges seemingly do not care when they are lied to in warrant applications. So many judges have seen so many applications that they know were wrong, or at least they must have known. They do nothing about it. They're lied to. Fourth, to expose the hoaxes and abuses of power that have been tearing our country apart. We will establish a Truth and Reconciliation Commission to declassify and publish all documents on deep state spying, censorship, and corruption. And there That's are plenty cool. of them. Fifth, we will launch a major crackdown on government leakers who collude with the fake news to deliberately weave false narratives and to subvert our government and our democracy. When possible, we will press criminal charges. Sixth, we will make every inspector general's office independent and physically separated from the departments they oversee so they do not become the protectors of the deep state. Seventh, I will ask Congress to establish an independent auditing system to continually monitor our intelligence agencies to ensure they are not spying on our citizens or running disinformation campaigns against the American people, or that they are not spying on someone's campaign like they spied on my campaign. Eighth, we will continue the effort launched by the Trump administration to move parts of the sprawling federal bureaucracy to new locations outside the Washington swamp. Just as I moved the Bureau of Land Management to Colorado, as many as 100,000 government positions could be moved out, and I mean immediately, of Washington to places filled with patriots who love America, and they really do love America. Ninth, I will work to ban federal bureaucrats from taking jobs at the companies they deal with and that they regulate. So they deal with these companies and they regulate these companies and then they want to take jobs from these companies. Doesn't work that way. Such a public display cannot go on and it's taking place all the time like with Big Pharma. Finally, I will push a constitutional amendment to impose term limits on members of Congress this is how I will shatter the deep state and restore government that is controlled by the people and for the people. Thank you very much. Let's go. <laughs> what a perfect timing for that video to come out. Let me go see. Oh my God, go to, that was everything. Let me see if I go to Agenda 47, see if they've got that policy outlined so I can share it down below. Because there's like a 10 point plan. And if you're looking for that, go to www.donaldjtrump.com forward slash agenda 47. <laughs> well, I tell people that all the time. No, no, but, but when the way you, but the way you said it, you're, what you're, what we should put, we should have put like a boom, boom, like an announcement. Boom, boom. <laughs> yes, it is it's very much my tour guide voice.
Yes. <laughs> All right. Let me see here. Uh, well, liberty and censorship and reclaim free speech. Drain the swab of Russian, uh, Washington corruption. Let's see. Yeah, it doesn't have an outline yet. Let me see if I can find it. But Oh, wait. If not, give it a couple hours. Yeah. And then it will be there. For sure. Faux show. He really needs to come back to X. I know. It's popping off. <coughs> it's driving me crazy. I know. I, like, I really don't want to go over to Truth and, like, just... <sighs> well, there is the Trump Truths account. Do you know about that one? Yeah. They're good. Because yeah. they put out, as soon as he comes out with something, they always update it. So they're pretty good. Yeah, we need mean tweets. We I know. need mean tweets. I'd give anything for a mean tweet. RN. I, I would love it right now if we could get. That was good mean? practicing savvy. Donaldjtrump.com forward slash. It was very professional. Oh, thanks, Jen. Thank you. <laughs> it's not like anything's changed. Like, yeah, I'm still the same, like, super ultra MAGA savvy. I'm trying to, I am trying to be more professional. Not going to work. It's overrated. Soup's overrated. Although, I will tell you, quick, fun little story. So, my little mini me knew about my meeting today, right? And so I, you know, I have my red dress on and like a black blazer. But I called her in there. I'm like, yo, what shoes do I need to wear? Black shoes or the American flag? And she goes, mom, this is a business meeting, not a meeting to draw attention to yourself. So go black, okay? I'm like, oh, fine. So I was like, in no way I'm going to wear black. These are my shoes. Like these are the make it happen shoes, right? So I go to walk out the door with a mom. She's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You pull me out from getting ready from school to ask my opinion. And you don't even listen to me. I'm like, you'll get over it. It's just fine. It's American flags all the way. And she's like, mother. So I can't wait to tell her that she was wrong about the shoes. That the shoes yet again won the day. Yet again. Little fashionista over there. I know. She's just trying to... She's trying to control me, my daughter, my 12-year-old daughter. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking. I, I cannot find the 10-point plan yet. But as soon as I find it, I will post it. <clears throat> Stephen Savage will also have a really pretty, he'll make a 10-point plan, like, still of it. And he'll have it linked to the top of his profile. If y'all don't follow Stephen Savage, he has a great Agenda 47 timeline of all of the points from the videos that President Trump has made. Um, he always has those. So those are really good. Yeah, I'm looking at his profile right now to see if he has it. He does not. So, yeah, it's just not out yet. Let's see. Well, actually, he might have it. Let's take a look, shall we? Oh, I was just about to, that's why I'm Mike. I was about to say, shall we? Let's shall dive we. in. 
Let's take a look. So did you already cover your space from yesterday, Trash Jen? Mm, what do you mean? Well, I didn't know if you want to talk about it a little bit. Uh, I, I did talk about it a little bit while you were away. Um, mm -hmm. Just about the, not only the CTI leak stuff, but what SJ Terp was actually up to in 2017 after having that meeting at the Obama White House before Trump took over and how they basically rolled this out and that we found the repository and everyone's going through it right now uh, in, a, in and, a private group. Yes. And to see Jen's excitement over this, that was everything for me. Everything. I don't know if I've ever seen her so excited. Because, like, I literally just typed it in and I pressed enter and I'm like, oh, well, this is good. And then I started looking at it and I'm realizing what I'm looking at. And I'm like, I never interrupt trash, but this has to happen right now. Like, I don't even know what I stumbled upon, but here we are. <laughs> it was so cute. The You were like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was the cutest thing ever. And then I was talking to Aaron, what, this morning? He's like, yeah, Jen, call me, like, twice. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I think this is so cute. Jen never talks on the phone. Yeah. The thing. Yeah, but we, but I, so I watched that video. Um, well, I watched some of it because I, I really wanted to also get to uh, Tucker and Alex Jones. For um, which <laughs> I want to drunk dial with. <laughs> they told the story how Alex Jones and I think... Uh, it, maybe it was Lexi. I'm not sure if it was Lexi or another one of his producers, but apparently they they were having a couple drinks and they drunk dialed Brian Stelter, <laughs> and he answered. Apparently, here I'll see if I can find that part of the Tucker Alex Jones. You got to hear the story. It's absolutely hilarious. You guys, give me thirty seconds. I'll go find it. Yes, I want that to be a part of my memories. I want to drunk dial, and I don't drink. Especially I don't drink to get drunk, okay? I might have a, you know, sip of something here and there, whatever. But if I was invited by Tucker and Alice Jones to go fishing on a boat and then go back to the barn and throw back some and start drunk dialing people, yes, please, add to cart, swipe right to buy now. I'm all in. I want it. I Savvy, want we're making happen. this happen. When you and I get together, we're drunk dialing people. Girl, 100%. holy moly, Jen, can you imagine? I can't. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> and we, people don't understand the amount of phone numbers of people we actually do. This is bad. That's a bit, that's going to be very bad. Funny. Funny, yes. Bad. <laughs> actually, it's going to be excellent and everyone will be a lot happier when this happens. This is true. Cause when I consume alcohol, I get very sweet and lovey and like nothing phases me. This will be fun. Oh, Where I turned into here? Jen New Yorker girl. It's, oh, it's bad. Do you think I have a New York accent now? Oh Lord. Okay. When I start drinking. This is so funny. Because it's I turn. Yes. Hot because then the, we are okay. So this does need to happen because when I am somewhat have been overserved in the past, that's when my Georgia super southern what what my parents normally hear, that's what comes out. Oh my gosh, yes, that would be funny. It's happening. Yes. It's happening. All right, Erin. It's been over thirty seconds. 
I think I found it. Okay. So give me just like five more seconds to, to, to verify. Five but, more seconds and you've got them. Okay, Maverick. Thanks, Goose. Oh, you guys have names for each other. How cute. We just made them up. <laughs> they just happened right now. I you can just tell. <laughs> Shut up. Okay, I did find it. Let me. Here we go. It might be a little bit in the beginning before when, when Tucker starts talking is when they start the story. So here we uh, go. It's my favorite story. People, because people were sick of the corporate legacy media. So people say, well, why is he so angry? Well, it's because he's literally trying to take us off air, literally taking our sponsors. I mean, the equivalent of the Vikings a thousand years ago in England pulling up and burning a village down. And, and so there he is, all sweet and liberal and cackling and laughing, but he's really an agent of anti-American totalitarianism. And so he was the front man of that, and I wanted to just simply say, well, you're right. I see you, I know what you're doing. So people see it out of context and think, why are you being so mean to him? Well, I mean, he's literally trying to destroy my free speech, take me off air, and, and put my family on the street. So I'm pissed off at him. What's interesting is, and I, I mean, I don't know if you want me to reveal this, but we had dinner in our barn last night, and there were some drinks. And uh, <laughs> after dinner, you, you and my producer called Stelter on the phone. And what was so, and, and it was on speaker, so I listened to it. What was so interesting was, you know, you've been very clear in a very direct, pretty masculine way, I would say, about how you feel about Brian Stelter. There's not a lot of confusion about your views on Stelter after clips like that, which Dallas has seen because he rules himself compulsively. He was very kind of syrupy sweet with you. And that's why I was sarcastic and told him I want to date him. Yeah. In fact, the exact line that you had was, Brian, I'm not usually gay, but I want you. And he seemed a little bit, I'm not saying he's open to it or whatever, but he wasn't shocked by and it. he's like, give me your phone number. Give me, I want to talk to you. Yeah. And then he hit your producer, please give me his number right now. Let's yeah, that talk. was interesting. But, but I was being silly with him. But, but there was also a line. He goes, oh, Alex Jones. I, I, I said, I want you to call my show. He said, oh, you've still got a show? And I went, no, you're the one that doesn't have a show. <laughs> Sorry, I should have told the other line. It's so boorish to, like, recount conversations people were with. It was funny, though. But you said, you know, you, you, you know, you're you on TV now, but you're a real star. I mean, not on CNN, but on my show. <laughs> it was so good. Anyway, but what was interesting was if someone had talked about you that way and then called you late night after a couple of drinks, you'd say, you know, up yours, pal. You know what I mean? Like, buzz off, or I'm not taking your call. But he kind of sucked up to you. That's a very weird, passive-aggressive posture. Well, I've said a lot of really mean things about him and, and attacked him. And when I watch the clips out of context, I feel guilty. But he was going around with Oliver Darcy. They would brag on Twitter and literally hitting hundreds of my sponsors. And I say hundreds. I'd have like 20. They'd take them all. i get 20 more. Take them all. This went on for years. So you go get a sponsor. You get them. They're doing great. He takes it away from you. And then he brags to him. And Dar I was taken off Twitter. Not for the Sandy Hook stuff that came later that they focused on. Look it up. Uh, they had uh, the former head of Twitter and the, and, and the lawyer on Joe Rogan about four years ago. And Joe said, why did you ban Alex Jones? The lawyer goes, okay, let me open my, my clipboard. She goes, here's why. He was mean to Oliver Darcy. So I'm at the Capitol. They're having censorship hearings. Sundar Pichai is there. I just confronted him in the hall. Who runs Google. And you guys are welcome to use that if you want. And then that was at the Senate. So now they were going over to a House meeting. And there's Oliver Darcy in the line. He gets to get in. I don't even get into a hearing where they then attack me. They'd attack me at the last hearing, but I don't get to face my accuser. 
And so I get in his face. I don't threaten him, but I say, you are an evil man. You're un-American. Come after my free speech, harassing my sponsors, trying to get me off the Internet. And the last place I was on was Twitter. They held out. Uh, and so uh, Jack Dorsey held out. And so Jack Dorsey admitted, well, the last straw was I bullied Oliver Darcy. And so that's why I was deplatformed. Elon Musk thinks it was the Sandy Hook thing. Uh, and I noticed. You know that in most cultures. So the story's hilarious, right? Uh, Alex Jones and Tucker's producer, they're having drinks and dinner in Tucker's barn. And they decide to drunk dial Brian Stelter. But the reason I kept it going was because of a lot of people don't realize how much Brian Stelter was involved along with Oliver Darcy as explaining here. And it's not just Nandini Jammy that was getting ads pulled from people like Breitbart and such. It's not just Media Matters doing what they're doing and making these hit pieces. Brian Stelter and Oliver Darcy were a big piece of this as well. And they were a lot of a, a lot of them. And this is why Alex Jones calls him evil and he's right to do so. A lot of these guys took pride in getting these people removed, cancels, getting their ads uh, removed from them. And they were doing this through uh, legacy media. And it was Oliver Darcy and Brian Stelter and Nandini Jamie, of course, Nan Doodles and David Brock and Media Matters. It was all of them. And so I think Alex Jones had every right. But the story is hilarious because they, they drunk dialed <laughs> Brian Stelter. And then he said, what did he say? He said, he's like, I'm not, I'm not gay, but I'm starting to like you or something <laughs> to Brian. <laughs> Alex Jones. Dude, I really wish I would have known all this now. Because freaking at CPAC one year, Oliver Darcy had the room next to us, like in the hotel. And I had to ride the elevator every day with that little twerk. And he, Argh. if I would have known now what I, whatever, you guys know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Had you known. Oh man. Oh man. Actually, do you guys want me to see if I can pull up uh, the video where, Alex is actually yelling at Oliver Darcy. I've seen it. I freaking hate that little twerp. Oh, there. me too. Let me see. Let me see if I can find it. All right. So Alex Jones. Savvy will be back. She has a client. Uh, yelling. It's Wait, so she funny. She has a client yelling at her? No, I'm typing in Alex oh. Jones Oliver Darcy. <laughs> <laughs> no. Hang on real quick. 30 seconds. Hey, Kevin, how are you? Sorry, you come up on stage. Hey, what up, guys? I uh, I came in and heard Alex Jones talking, so naturally the guy who sounds like him had to uh, had to chime in. Yo, I'm so happy he's – I mean, not that he went anywhere, but I'm happy he's, like, officially back, like, back in, in the conversation. Because whatever you think about Alex, man – He's just funny as hell. He's just he's just fun, you know. Dude, the funniest thing is that literally during the march for Trump, because Dustin kept wearing his red velvet jacket, the one the weekend wore at the Super Bowl. Like I can't help but say that. Um, Alex Jones was literally calling Dustin Satanic Santa, like on his show the whole time. I mean, they made up like on the last day, like they gave each other a hug and like took a picture. But up until then, he was calling Dustin Satanic Santa. That's amazing. <laughs> I found the clip. If you guys want to hear Alex Jones yelling at Oliver Darcy, because it's just so tasty. 
because I, I can't stand, you know, the Oliver Darcy's of the world, Brian Stelter, Ben Collins, Brandy Zendrosny, these these hacks. You may hear I'll play it. Look at this right here. The guy that goes around policing and calling for censorship and then claims that Trump's wrong. There's no censorship of conservatives or patriots. You are incredibly shameful. How are you doing, Alex? You're just, <laughs> look at you. Look, look, look. You are literally an anti-American, anti-free speech coward. You're going to go down the history books at the Criminal News Network. This is the, one of the main... This is one of the main people right here who thinks you have no memory, who sits there and lobbies. Show him. And sits there and lobbies people to take other news off, claiming they're fake when CNN is the fakest WMD, Gulf Arab state uh, dictatorship funded. Unbelievable. I mean, look at those eyes. So if you want to see the eyes of a rat. No, I'm seriously, just, just, just look, I'm looking at the camera. Look at those eyes. Look at that slobbering to the system. And the criminals of CNN, all their warmongering and death, all their fake news. And then running around <coughs> trying to police the internet to try to shut people down. And then you think people are so stupid. On CNN a week later, you say no one's censoring anybody. No one's pushing for censoring. And then you say that Trump is the one attacking the press. But all he does is stand up to your lies. Just look at this guy's eyes, man. That is who will rule your life. <laughs> that's so great oh man and the look on his face is just and he's just like look at those eyes and you look at him they're like dead lifeless eyes these 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 tyrannical censorship asshats you know I, i've said this all the time like i listen i i don't have to agree with you but i at least want the place to be able to sit down and disagree with you we're not even allowed to do that you can't participate in wrong think you can't go against the approved narrative by the by the uh the information governance board of our government and then these these people that do go walk around and run around and do these hatchet jobs on people for speaking actual truth and the malinformation part's the worst because they don't want people to hear the truth and people like oliver darcy and, and many of these others so watching uh Watching Alex Jones confront him is still one of my favorite things. <laughs> you know what's really funny? I just looked it up. You know Oliver Darcy doesn't have a Wikipedia page? How is that possible? Could he have gotten Wikipedia to take down the page about him? Yes. People were just or talking too much shit? He, I don't know if he could get it actually taken down. Um, I know because Dustin's one of Dustin's friends from college is a high up Wikipedia editor. Like they literally have like a whole like system and you have to like be a certain status within like the Wikipedia governance in order to make changes. They can you can't like change anything or get it taken down, but you can like bury stuff within it and like word it differently but you have to get it approved and it has to be done by a high up person and you can hire these people to do it for you yeah he doesn't have one at all like if you like i was just i was just like looking it up to try to get like some background on him some interesting stuff but like it doesn't exist i mean i have a wikipedia page and i'm nobody hold on let me ask dust hold on one second yeah that's interesting well, funny the Alex Jones videos. Trash, do you remember the video when he confronted, I think it was Chernovich at the uh, 
RNC and gave him a Bill Clinton rape shirt. That was the funniest 30 seconds of television I think I'd ever seen Alex Jones do. Alex is wild, man, I swear. <laughs> he, literally, so... he literally posed for a photo with him and then stood behind him and gave him the bunny ears with the Clinton rape shirt draped across his chest. It was the funniest, like, 20 seconds I'd ever seen. So Dustin said you can't get it taken down. It's almost impossible to get it taken down. So he must he must know somebody because why wouldn't it why wouldn't it be there? Maybe he just like doesn't have a Wikipedia page yet. I don't know. The guy's been no one made one for him. I don't know. Can you make Wikipedia pages? Yeah, I mean I think so. Well, someone needs to make a freaking well, we Oliver to, Darcy Wikipedia page. We need to have some fun and find out every stupid thing the guy said in his entire life and make an extensive Wikipedia page. Well, funny enough, during when we did the garbage, was, wasn't was Oliver Darcy one of our garbage fail journalists? Oh, yeah. Remember, Trash? oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So when we did the garbage fail journalist tournament of hacks, Oliver Darcy was one of them, and we compiled all of this oppo research on him. So uh, Kelly, if you're listening, I don't know if Kelly's down there or Adam. Uh, we have a whole bunch of oppo research uh, at America Mission for Oliver Darcy. <laughs> you should just use that, and then the quote from Alex Jones calling him a lifeless, soulless person, and then put that on the Wikipedia page. <laughs> Those lifeless eyes. Yeah, just so you gotta great. get the photo of just his lifeless eyes, just staring at Alex as he's yelling at him. Actually, all you need to do is just Google image. It, the, it, they all look the same. <laughs> they do. Seriously, go Google it. It's it's weird. I think it's funny that his Google so, that his Google images one is like a legit full head of hair, and the next one over to it is like he's been stressed out incredibly for the last ten years, totally bald. Wait, didn't he get caught like jerking off on air? No, that was Jeffrey Tubin. Jeffrey Tubin. That was Jeffrey Tubin. He's another winner. Yo, but uh, he kept Walter, his job. Oh, I didn't know sorry, you could Kevin. do that. No, I was saying he kept his job after that. I didn't know you could do that and not be fired. So he was let go and brought back five months later, five or six months later. I think it was technically a suspension. That's what they call it. So, yeah, Walter, off, what did you find when you started digging last night, I know you found some interesting stuff. Do you want to, can you talk about it? Yeah. So last night after we started digging into those disarm files, I sent it over to a couple of my analyst people that I've worked with in the past. And um, he found this grid that shows the entire disarm framework with hyperlinks to every single step of their plan all in one place. Um, it's unbelievable this kind of stuff that's in there. Uh, I have only scratched the surface of it. I just clicked on a couple of them. My personal favorite was the social media Amber Alert system. That was amazing. So they have a system set up in this framework that's designed to alert whoever has access to the database when a disinformation or something they claim is disinformation begins to accrue and the narrative starts forming. So they have an entire alert system designed to set up to tell them exactly when disinformation is beginning to spread or what they claim is disinformation, I'd rather say. So that's just one of the many things on there. It, it, it's got a step-by-step -step process of how all of this works 
but what's more amazing about it to me was after my guys started going through it even further, they found that this is older than we ever thought. The oldest date that we have on this disinformation, the disarm framework, was that it started in 2010. So this is not, you know, the, the previous dates that we had, I believe, set us into, what, 2017 was the most recent ones that we found with the CTIL files. This shows that the disinformation framework was beginning to be built in 2010. So it's not, it, it's, it goes even further back than we thought. This is pre, you know, this just shows that they've been doing this the whole time. This is the Obama's era, 2010 is when it began. So Obama set this whole camp, this whole system up from the 2010 era and really began, looks like implementing it in the 20s and, and uh, the Trump era. So this is an old system and it looks like this framework, it even says the documents are amazing, says that the U.S. government uses this as the primary system, the primary framework, framework for fighting this information. It's an amazing document. I've got it all archived now. We've got it loaded into blockchain archives, so there's no way they can ever get it. Um, but it, it really is an incredible find. Uh, that was all via the GitHub. And as we started digging into the GitHub, I'll have to ask my analyst guys where they even found this one document, because I can't figure out where they got it in there. But it's, it's an entire network that shows everything from every, from assessing the problems to implementing for a variety of different things. And, you know, it's, it describes how they facilitate state propaganda, how they discredit, how they create fake experts, and then how they use fake experts. It's, it really is incredible. It, uh, I'll put the link to it so people can check it out. Uh, and uh, we're going to be working through it, and we're going to be releasing an article on this working with a few of the people that have been going through the research, we're going to be releasing an article on the disarm files probably on Monday. Uh, if I manage to get it done over the weekend, I've been sick, so we'll see. Hey guys, sorry, I'm here. I'm, I had a lot of requests for this info, so I'm sending it in the DM to, to some people that do uh, open source intelligence work. So uh, I sent those off. You now have those. Happy hunting. Um, but yeah, so this is an interesting thing. So Rose, I think she's listening. She's the one that sent this to me. We were doing a, we were doing a space on the CTI League files that Matt Taibbi and uh, Michael Schellenberger and um, Alex Gutentag had released. And during that space, obviously Matt came in and then a couple days later they were at, at Capitol Hill talking about it just a little bit. Uh, and Rose sent me the, the GitHub, this SJ Terp lady um, that started the CTI league in 2017. She had an entire GitHub repository of links to various different organizations that they were using and, and operating within hashtags that they were using to mark uh, things on, on X or on Twitter, this specific hashtag has bloomed even further because as you follow this hashtag came across a FOIA fan and somebody else had actually come across emails, uh, to Google from this, this, the title of this hashtag, uh, email addresses. And so it's, we're really uncovering, um, really the, 
the skeleton of the entire censorship industrial complex, not just these NGOs like we discovered in the Twitter files, not just these different organizations like the Global Engagement Center that has a hub of nine different governmental agencies that all filter requests for censorship and takedowns through the Global Engagement Center. What we are looking at is the actual systems that were built to facilitate this. So it's it's one, like I guess the best way I can describe it is um, everything that we've uncovered about censorship over the last several years has been the wardrobe. We're now discovering the body underneath the wardrobe. This is basically, and they, and stupidly, they have repositories for the disarm networks that we're talking about. And in that repository is all this information. And as Walter's discussed, he's, he's tracing it back to 2010. Uh, guys, this is going to be a massive, 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 massive story. And I hope that it gets more traction as we break into this, because every time we start digging into these repositories with different links and different people and there's tools. I, I found I found a screenshot of a tool that uh, the government used where they basically it's like a one stop shop Google application where they can search any kind of like uh, content on social media. And it will actually tell them if it's part of an influence operation, what influence operation it's part of and who it's connected to. Guys, the stuff we're finding is crazy stuff. And so it's just, we're just scratching the surface here. So good job, Walter. I can't wait to see that piece. Probably have a space on your piece once it's done. Maybe yeah, I, I, I figure we should definitely do a space. We were actually talking about this trash. That maybe a good idea for us to do would be to, when we write the piece and have it out, but then we'll have a video streaming so we can show people what the network looks like, how the framework actually operates. Because the grid that we looked at is, I mean, it really is mind boggling. Like it, it shows every possible scenario of how these capabilities operated in direct links showing you. So how these things operate and then within those links, it hyperlinks you back to other things on how they're supposed to be used. I mean, it, it, it's unbelievable how it, how detailed it is. And like you said, I, to me, this looks like this is the framework for how the system operates. You know how it doesn't matter who uses it. It doesn't matter what the name of the organization, or the censorship apparatus that's doing it. This is the framework that they base the censorship off of and how they influence it. That's, that's how this works. So it, it really is incredible that we found this thing. And what's more amazing to me, I think, is the fact that it's all freaking public, public information. Like it's, it's just been sitting out there, but it's, you know, it's in the depths of the internet because they didn't think anybody would find it, I guess. I mean, but, it, but it's all just out there. It, it's, it, you know, you would think that if these people were smart, and had any sort of operational security at all, that all of this stuff would be in some hard drive in, you know, the CIA's basement or something. But it's not. It's it's literally on GitHub. Like, I mean, like, what the hell is this? I don't understand. That's why when yesterday when you showed this to me, the first thing I clicked on was a Medium page that said in the first paragraph of the article, our tactic in the new patch notes updates on how to facilitate state propaganda. I was just like, what what am I looking at here? I mean, just, how is this just sitting here for the whole world to see? I mean, I mean, I assume they just they just assume no one will ever look for it. I guess I, I have no idea. Yeah, it's it's absolutely nuts. And uh, so, like I said, we're just scratching the surface on this thing. But you know, stay tuned, buckle up. 
Um, once you do the reporting on it, we have the space. I will, um, I will uh, send it off to Taibi as well and see if he'll come join us. We can talk about it a little bit and see what they're working on with CTI files because I know they're going to have a lot coming up here soon. Um, so I don't know if you guys ever were in the space when he came in when we were covering the CTI lead files uh, earlier this week, but he also noted that right now they have from this whistleblower that gave them all these documents, they have. Uh, a story that they're working on that includes uh, legacy media reporters involved in this, and they have names. So that's coming soon, too. Um, oh, so that's in the new one? The new one gave them names of the journalists? That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So they've got all that stuff. That's a story that they're working on now. Um, so keep it, keep your eye peeled on his uh, Substack. It's Racket News. Hey, Walter, and it, as you're going through those files, it's also important to go into the profiles of the people that are listed <clears throat> as working in as, as the hacker group or the programmers. And then they have subsets of, of categories that they are individually um, basically putting into storage, archiving. And I think I posted in our group, you know, the list of all the, COVID-19 YouTube videos that they deleted, which is yeah, that's definitely massive. part of that's So I huge, posted that, yeah. There's a huge part of that, like going through some of these names in here, because when we got access to the GitHub, I was, they were going through the actual GitHub repository. And I clicked on the name that it actually posted it to GitHub and it took me to Medium. And Medium's pages actually had a lot of people that were following just the one guy. And we found the guy that was writing this code or was author of this code. And he had a certain set of followers. I started going through all of these people. There's a project, something called Project M82. It's a French intelligence operation around uh, disinformation. And it's set up by the EU and FIMI, which I'm not entirely sure what that acronym stands for, but I'm looking further into it. And there's also something amazing that I said to Jen last night that I kept seeing an acronym at the beginning of a lot of the URLs I kept going to from these people's pages, and it was CSSH. And I didn't know why I knew that. I knew it from somewhere. And after I looked into it, that's a term for a cluster a server cluster that integrates unilaterally across multiple servers and multiple domains. So it's a working theory that it's possible that all of these people operate within a cluster of servers that all work together. And it says specifically, when you look at the details of what a CSSH is, that it allows a central access database and dashboard to use all of this stuff. So I can't, I haven't found enough information to prove that yet, but I just found it really interesting that I kept seeing that same acronym everywhere. And when I looked into it, that's exactly what it was. Uh, I know what the FIMI is. Uh, it is, give me one second, I'm pulling it up now. Most of the information from these people, and it was Project M82, which, by the way, I have their GitHub trash. I'll send that to you. Um, it's all in French, but... I've got some European analysts that are looking at this for me, so I might be able to get a lot of it translated properly. But it was all based in France, so that I don't know what correlation they have to the um, disarm group, but it looks to me like a lot of their people work with it. 
Yeah, yeah. I will def- definitely want to get that translated and take a look at it. Um, the FI at I, I remember what this was. And I, I covered it the other day. Uh, was it? Oh, you know what? I, it might have been in Schellenberger's. Uh, give me one second. It might have been in his drop, actually. Oh, really? It was covered in their drop? Then that's amazing. I'll have to make sure I get all of this, start, this stuff translated then. Let me just double check. It might, it might have just been in the repository because I was reading through it, but um, I don't know. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Give me one second, guys. Did you guys go through all the links um, that was in that uh, X post that came up from um, the FOIA fan? And then the link below it was the guy who posted to the government site and the links to these docs. Did anybody look at those? No, I, I didn't. I, I did don't. Not. I don't have time to break all this stuff down all the time. It's, I have. Oh well, there, it's it's important because it's the um, negotiations for the pointer agreement. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take a look for sure. Um, yeah, I, I downloaded them, um, so I have them. Okay, good. I've got uh, a number of other files that I need to get into the group. By the way, Twitter's UI is kind of terrible for sharing files, though. So I don't know how to send that over to PDF documents. Maybe we. Can yeah, I agree. I don't know how you do that. Yeah, I mean, well, we can send a Telegram up for us at least doing this. If it's a PDF document, I mean, you could just create you could just create an archive page of it and then just send a link. Oh uh, yeah, that's probably the best way. I'll do that. Yeah. So I I remember what this was. It was like it was it's it's the FIMI. It was like foreign influence. Where was it? It may have been in the repository, uh, but it was like the foreign influence something something. I just for some reason it's bothering me, and maybe I just need to like calm down, but. It I might can't. be the, you know what? I think I remember reading that now. I think it was the Foreign Influence Misinformation Index. There you go. I think that actually, I think that actually is it. So that that is, is. there's a group of them that are all part of the M82 project that work with that, and they all had FIMI tagged in there. I remember reading that somewhere now. That would be it. That's correct, sir. So, yeah, uh, pretty crazy stuff, guys. Uh, we've covered a lot of topics in this space. I know Sag would be back. She had a phone call. Um but when she comes back, send the co-host in right now. Uh, but we talked, we covered a lot of ground today because there was, a, there's a lot of good news. There's a lot of things happening. There's oil in the gears. You know, we saw uh, the Hunter Biden uh, felonies come out yesterday. And I discussed a little bit about that, about how, you know, Catherine Harridge is obviously way more optimistic than I am. But the door is open for Weiss to be able to charge under Farah. Once he charges under Farah, this is when the entire thing unravels because then they're going to have to answer the question, okay, yeah, we know you got the money. That's why you, That's why we're having these tax cases. But what was the money for? And when they go to answer that question, that is where Joe Biden and I believe Obama enter the conversation on this deal. And so that was that's, that's massive. We're going to keep an eye on that. We uh, covered Project 2025, which is the transition plan to dismantle the administrative state and who to put where, how to do it, how they plan to do it using the Office of Personnel Management from the 1978 um, Act that Congress passed 
that was supposed to limit the power of the administrative state that was originally created under FDR. And in 1978, uh, the Civil Service Reform Act established the Office of Personnel Management. And so removing these layers of the administrative state and getting the National Security Council out of the White House and restoring the power back to cabinet secretaries, which is ultimately under the executive, that is where you start to dismantle this deep state bureaucracy that is actually, as was noted by James Bacon in that thread I put together that's pinned to my um, profile, that they were the ones telling the cabinet secretaries what they should be doing. And these people were unaccountable. They, they couldn't be fired. And so this plan of Project 2025 is very, very important. And in conjunction with Project 2025 is America First Policy Institute, the America First Transition Project. This is designed to not only get the right people in place, but then on day one, start putting forth the, the America First policies into place. And so you have, you know, America First Policy Institute working in conjunction with Project 2025. Hey, Trash, and that is what did you see um, the interview that Jordan Peterson did with um, with the hang on, hang on. Let me, go ahead. I'm recapping. Let me finish my space. Sorry. So yeah, this is this is what we've been talking about here. And Savvy actually had some great news today. When she comes back, she can tell everybody. But she is officially joining the Trump campaign and team. She's going to be working with state delegates, national delegates, uh, working with the surrogates, director of the surrogates um, wing. Her first uh, event is going to be in Iowa. So a lot of really, really exciting things are happening right now. And a lot of things are moving in the right direction. So there is optimism out there. Uh, it's just all gas, no brakes. So that also is in the same discussion, same vein of what we were talking about here in removing and dismantling the censorship apparatus, which I played the, the three minute clip that Trump had just put out a couple hours ago, explaining exactly what he's going to do to drain the deep state once he's in office. It's about a three minute clip. I probably will play on the space again so you guys can hear it, but it's a 10 point plan. It's very specific. And this is what these are. These are what solutions look like moving forward into 24 and 25. And so that's where we were focusing on. So, but that's essentially where we're at with the space and the recap. I know Jen is traveling. Uh, Savvy will be back, but it looks like I'm rocking it solo. But so, okay. Now, Walter, what were you saying about an interview? Yeah, the interview that Peterson just did with the president of the Heritage Foundation. Did you watch that yet? No. Oh, dude, it's really, really good. He goes through it and he says that they're recruiting 20,000 people to be put installed on day one. Like it's, That's it's correct. and it's amazing. It's an amazing interview. You should definitely watch that. Everyone should go watch that. That was probably the best interview Peterson's done in the past two or three months. Right. So the Heritage Foundation was the lead, and that's who James Bacon was. This thread that I have pinned to my James Bacon was one of the architects of this project 2025 through the Heritage Foundation. So what he's talking about there with Jordan Peterson is specifically about Project 2025. Then, and that is that is where this plan came from. And and again, it's not just Heritage Foundation that put this together. You go look at it. So like again, it's, it's the pinned tweet on my profile, and I have a link to the 920-page document called Mandate for Leadership from Project 2025. And when you open up that document, take a look at who crafted it. Like this was not just put together by people at Heritage. They they were the lead on this, right? And, you know, Robert Bose, James Bacon, a lot of the people that were involved. But you can see the list of people that were involved. There was a lot of people that, and Robert Bose was in here explaining it to us when, because Savvy and I do the spaces on Project 2025, we're, we're going to be doing part three soon. 
Uh, we just did immigration. We did the introduction, the first one. We did immigration, the last space we had. And then we're going to move into Department of Homeland Security and um, other other uh, executive branches that we're going to be discussing. So, but if you look at who, who crafted this, it, it, I mean, just name off a few, right? Alabama Policy Institute, Alliance Defending Freedom, uh, America First Legal Foundation, Stephen Miller, great, great organization. That's who's doing the America First Policy Institute, Claremont Institute, uh, Harris Foundation, Hillsdale College, Michael Anton, um, James, Ma- James Madison Institute, Institute for Women's Health. The, and, and the thing was, and Robert told us when they, when they were creating this plan, there was a lot of people that put their own um, interests aside to work together, to put this together. And some of this plan does work against some of these folks' interests. And they still said, nope, full speed ahead. Let's, let's get this plan hashed out. A lot of debate. They've had a, they had a lot of discussions. It took a long time to build this. And so it's really impressive. And I think that's why we're giving it the oxygen that it deserves. But yeah, I'll check it out. I'll see if there's, I, I, I wonder if there's any, is there any like clips that maybe Jordan Peterson's team or Heritage put out maybe? That I can uh, I'm not sure. I'll, I'll, let me see if I can find those. I mean, I, I've been covering this stuff too for a number of months. I wrote a article back in June I think it was called the unitary executive because I was curious how schedule F and all of this stuff was going to work. And it's based on the unitary executive theory that goes back to a Scalia descent from the 1980s. And uh, I've been covering this for a while because part of uh, their plan, one of the things that Robert, that you're talking about, I talked to him just the other day um, that they talk about is decentralizing the administrative state and how they're going to do that. And that's actually something that my father, when he met with Trump Jr. in 2017, told him that they needed to do. And they didn't believe that they needed to move all of the agencies out because the top three layers of the uh, agencies were all corrupted. He didn't believe it then, but I think he believes it now. So I think that's going to be the biggest thing um, that they're going to do. They're going to move these agencies out of D.C. They're going to tear it all down because they have to. I mean, there's no other way to fix it in my eyes. And the, the reason that that is a a effective way of doing it actually goes back to the 1990s. The precedent for that was actually set by Senator Robert Byrd when he, in a budgetary um, uh, policy that he actually put out, um, he hid in there that the FBI fingerprints facility was going to move to Clarksburg, West Virginia. And overnight, after that was approved, suddenly three or 4,000 of the FBI agents uh, that worked there had to move to West Virginia and half of them quit. So it was an amazing tactic, and it is proven to work. So I think that's going to be one of the key things that they do in this plan. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. And um, so I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm here for it, and I'm going to keep talking about it because – and initially – so, Walter, initially, uh, Savvy and I were going to start covering it on Spaces and, and stuff and, and, and in content on, on X later on in the cycle – but Axios and several other uh, publications now are starting to come out with hit pieces trying to uh, change what it means, what, what they're actually saying about what they're going to do with Project 2025. And they're starting to spin it already as like, you know, Trump's a dictator, this and that and the other. And, you know, obviously there's extreme panic for people that have made their livings on, you know, operating this, this deep state bureaucracy from the shadows. Uh, they're going to be very pissed. Intel's gonna, Intel community is really pissed. So like it's um, yeah the the hit pieces have been coming for a while actually I mean yeah the they first have. the first people I saw 
um, that had a big long thing about it was actually the economist, I think in July, um, they had the, they, it was their briefing in July, uh, mm-hmm. the first or second week of July talking about the meticulous planning of Donald Trump. And they're just terrified because they spent like a week or two talking to the AFPI people and they just told them everything. Yeah, we're going to do all of this and there's nothing you could do to stop it. It was, it was an amazing article because it's just them shitting themselves about how this is going to happen. Yep. That's exactly right. And so, and it, the, the, the power of what AFPI and Heritage have done here in conjunction and putting, piecing this two big pieces of this puzzle together to, to there's nothing they can do. And, and, and the thing is, is it, it was so smart for Heritage to zero in on the 1978 Civil, uh, Civil Services Reform Act, because the Office of Personnel Management is where this can be done. And, it, and, and it's absolutely within the, the, uh, the power of the executive to do so. Uh, this, is, this was put into law. This was an act put it by Congress. It was designed to protect and prevent the corruption of this administrative state, and then it itself got corrupted. So, well, well, there's not only that. The amazing thing about these articles coming out now about how, oh my God, Trump's going to be a dictator, blah, 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 is that what people don't understand is that actually Biden has been using the unitary executive theory to his benefit currently. Uh-huh. He's been firing people and removing people right now. So they, they're claiming that he's going to come in and do this. But Biden is actually using the same theory and the same practice currently to install his own people. And a lot of people don't know that. That was actually covered in a Slate article back in June, I think. So, that, I mean, it's this is not, you know, some novel theory. It's in practice currently. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why it's so important to keep talking about it so we can cut through the noise and not let a narrative catch hold that's a lie. Um, you know, I remember, I remember when I had a good, I, I remember when a, a lie could get last a good six months, a year, sometimes forever. And then it was chopped down to like 30 days. Then it was down to like two weeks. Now within minutes of a lie being put out by legacy media or by, you know, hack operatives that, that LARP as journalists, um, it gets cut in half immediately and it's got to stay on it. Got to keep on it. It's not working anymore. So, and without having the full grip of the censorship uh, apparatus like they had, it's going to get a whole lot worse for them. So, if you guys want, I can actually play. So, I've already played. I played the uh, American First Policy Institute introduction to theirs, to their transition project. Obviously, I've covered Project Twenty Twenty Five. I pl- I played the thread that I put together with James Bacon. Um. I have played this video that came out three hours ago from Trump uh, regarding this 10 point plan that he's got for his administration specifically, not just a general conservative administration. If you guys want, I can play that clip, but he breaks it down in 10 points. Exactly what he's going to do. If you guys want to hear that. Here's my plan to dismantle the deep state and reclaim our democracy from Washington corruption once and for all, and corruption it is. First, I will immediately reissue my 2020 executive order restoring the president's authority to remove rogue bureaucrats, and I will wield that power very aggressively. Second, we will clean out all of the corrupt actors in our national security and intelligence apparatus, and there are plenty of them. The departments and agencies that have been weaponized will be completely overhauled, 
so that faceless bureaucrats will never again be able to target and persecute conservatives, Christians, or the left's political enemies, which they're doing now at a level that nobody can believe even possible. Third, we will totally reform FISA courts, which are so corrupt that the judges seemingly do not care when they are lied to in warrant applications. So many judges have seen so many applications that they know were wrong, or at least they must have known. They do nothing about it. They're lied to. Fourth, to expose the hoaxes and abuses of power that have been tearing our country apart. We will establish a Truth and Reconciliation Commission to declassify and publish all documents on deep state spying, censorship, and corruption. There are plenty of them. Fifth, we will launch a major crackdown on government leakers who collude with the fake news to deliberately weave false narratives and to subvert our government and our democracy. When possible, we will press criminal charges. Sixth, we will make every inspector general's office independent and physically separated from the departments they oversee so they do not become the protectors of the deep state. Seventh, I will ask Congress to establish an independent auditing system to continually monitor our intelligence agencies to ensure they are not spying on our citizens or running disinformation campaigns against the American people or that they are not spying on someone's campaign like they spied on my campaign. Eighth, we will continue the effort launched by the Trump administration to move parts of the sprawling federal bureaucracy to new locations outside the Washington swamp. Just as I moved the Bureau of Land Management to Colorado, as many as 100,000 government positions could be moved out and I mean immediately, of Washington to places filled with patriots who love America, and they really do love America. Ninth, I will work to ban federal bureaucrats from taking jobs at the companies they deal with and that they regulate. So they deal with these companies and they regulate these companies, and then they want to take jobs from these companies. doesn't work that way. Such a public display cannot go on. And it's taking place all the time, like with Big Pharma. Finally, I will push a constitutional amendment to impose term limits on members of Congress. This is how I will shatter the deep state and restore government that is controlled by the people and for the people. Thank you very much. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, I am looking for disclosure on the censorship. I want to see how much I was right about, how much we didn't even know about. I, I just, I'm here for it. I really wish they wouldn't call it a Truth and Reconciliation Committee, though. Jesus. Yeah, I don't know about that name. That might, that might need a reworking of the name. That yeah. Sounds little, that sounds a little too Ministry of Truthy. <laughs> yes, it, it does, and it's just like an easy attack vector. Yeah, way way too easy. He's got to he's got to rework that name. He's well, but okay, all right. Maybe that's the point. Because Maybe. if they if they start reeing and like screaming and shaking, literally shaking like Van Jones did the other day, literally shaking. Um, and they start talking about it. Does that bring exposure to what it means? Because I don't know. Trump's been so good at that. Like every time he says something, it's done intentionally. So they all start screaming about it. Then everyone looks around like, wait a minute, that's exactly what you're doing. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
Right. So we'll see. I don't know. I mean, but so he did say it, though. He said moving the agencies out. That's exactly what I was talking about. Yeah, that's that's the big thing right there. So, I mean, that's that is then that's something he doesn't need anything for. That's the cool thing about that guy. So when we met with Trump Jr. in 2017 to tell him that he needed to do that, we told him we needed to build a facility in Buett, Wyoming and move half the federal government because there's like four people that live in Wyoming there. So, you know, most of these bureaucrats that are used to D.C. will never move out there. And that was, so it's amazing and it's fantastic that he's doing that. I mean, he could start with the Department of the Interior and just put it near, like, Yosemite National Park. I mean, that's what they do. They focus on everything that goes on in like, the national parks and shit. There's no reason why that department should be bogged down in one of the most congested cities in America when meanwhile, the, the, the interior department, their entire job seems to be related well, around. Silent, unless I'm missing something. What? What? Walter, I'm going to drop you down and bring you back up. You can't hear. Um, oh, okay. Kevin. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I can't. Right, think I'm about it. If he, if he sent the interior department to Idaho or Montana, wouldn't they be a hell of a lot closer to the majority of the places that they have jurisdiction over anyway? Right. Right. I mean, it, it, it's that's really the point. Uh, and that seems it, to be the easiest one. You know, that's like the I mean, we know it's not. We know that they're all just political hack jobs. But if he started with that one, it'd be like, look, you know, you you want to take over Yellowstone National Park. Maybe you should be near it. That'd be very but, hard to argue against. Well, that's the whole point. Right. And that's the conversations that we're having around, you know, moving the RNC and doing all these things and getting it out of that. You know, just getting it out of that DC swamp machine. Um, matter of fact, it's interesting to note um, if you go to my profile, my highlights tab, I put together a thread because I remember watching Matt Gates on Timcast like uh, a year ago, almost it seems at this point. And it was where he were they were talking. He was on Timcast talk. It was just after they they did the McCarthy vote, and he was talking about. Um, you know, the one single motion to vacate, what the demands were to vote for McCarthy in and so on and so forth. But in that thread, I also included some of, of additional context that, that Matt was talking about. And I think this is very prescient to what we're talking about right now, which is it's not just getting the bureaucracies out of D.C., but why and how all of this has led to capture. As a matter of fact, let me let, let me let me play this in this context of what we're talking about here, I think it's really important to note. Um, especially in Washington, D.C. But but how deep does the rabbit hole go? go? Because there's a lot of people talking about, you know, the deep states, the intelligence agencies having a lot of control, using a lot of extortion, special interest, interest groups pulling the strings here. What's your understanding of how things really work in Washington, D.C. compared to what the average American kind of sees? Well, I think that, like the most corrupt, like, foray into this is like freshman orientation because like you show up here and i mean you know imagine showing up from northwest arkansas from like you know southern mississippi and you see the architecture of dc they take you out to like the finest steakhouse the best wine you've ever had and co-located at your table are the lobbyists for the major special interests for the committees that you're interested that you want to serve on so like i get here and they're like oh gates you want to be on the Armed Services Committee. Have you met these defense contractors? These are the key lobbyists that round up the defense money. And they put you with them from the very beginning. 
And you sort of get the joke that if you give your vote card to the leadership and your calendar to the lobby corps, you just kind of get enveloped into a system that's there to nurture you and protect you and keep you out of harm's way. And all it costs you is your own belief set. And I don't think that's compromise so much as selling out. Now, you know, that, so that is like step one. And that catches a, a whole lot of the people who get here. And then beyond that, if you kind of resist that system, then they do try to extort you, uh, engage in anything they can do to compromise you, cancel you, find some joke that you liked on Instagram years ago that like doesn't fit with the mores of this time, find some email that you were on like the forward chain of. It's like some basis to say that you're a white supremacist or you're, you know, some sort of uh, unacceptable human that can't be in polite company. And, uh, you know, then if that doesn't work, it, it's abject destruction through the political process where there are many, many dollars lined up solely for the extermination of those who push back against against the narrative. Yeah, this is... Um, as and the, he goes into it a little bit more, too. I think it's important to note as well. Um, so let me play that, too. Give me one second. Whole infrastructure... Like, if you're part of the prevailing way of thinking, the national security state the neoconservative worldview. There's an entire infrastructure there to like build out your career. There are endowed professor professorships. There are think tanks that are ready to give you six-figure jobs. There's a like career progression of jobs on the Hill. But if you think differently, you're kind of hunted in a lot. You know, you're hunted, canceled. They do everything to compromise you. And if that doesn't work, they try to destroy you. Whole inf Yeah. And that really good. I mean, that's, you know, obviously that's from a congressional side, right? But it is that whole idea that there's this entire capture in D.C., which is why we've got to get these agencies out of D.C. and closer to where to what they're actually doing in the first place, because it is this incestuous swamp of influence, extortion and bribe and pay to play and all of these things. And these permanent bureaucrats that cannot be fired by executive cabinets that are there constantly are compromised much in a similar way to the Congress people are. And so it's just this, just like the swamp is really a good word for it, but it, it's a bog. It's just this. And, and, and the only way to get this out of there is to start moving the agencies out, start using the office of personal management that we're talking about and whittling down the administrative state, getting rid of these people, being able to fire it, restoring power back to cabinet secretaries and start removing the layers uh, between the cabinet secretaries and the president and the White House and the, and the different branches and being able to really bring it back to where it was supposed to be built as intended and to actually serve the American people again. And the other thing that you, we, we need to talk about, what we're talking about is moving the RNC out of D.C. because, again, the same thing is happening there as well. So if you move the RNC to Florida or move it to where Harmeet was talking about, move it to Florida or Colorado or something, right? You, you then remove that that ease of eating at the Capitol Club or being over there on K Street and it's this incestuous relationship of special interest and lobby and big money donors versus, you know, individual donors, small money donors, which is what was represented uh, ultimately the, the single motion to vacate to get rid of Kevin McCarthy because Kevin McCarthy's power was built on the massive amount of fundraising that he could do and he could get, but it wasn't coming from the American people. It was coming from special interests and corporations and lobbies. And so 
that is the point of all of this stuff. And that's why I played that clip because again, I guess that's from, from a congressional state uh, point of view, but it's all the same thing. It's all the same thing. And it, you know, one of the things I've been thinking about with this, you know, Matt Gates has a podcast that's reasonably popular now. So does Ted Cruz and a couple other people, a couple other congressmen do. And, you know, the, one of the biggest problems for these congressional candidates specifically is that they're kind of beholden to whoever can get them the most dollars for funding their campaigns. Right. I mean, but the deal is I've, I've, a lot of people have been against the idea of these congressmen having podcasts, but I, I'm completely opposite of that. Yep. And uh, I, I think if they have these podcasts that are directly their constituents and the people that think like them in Congress, that allows them to use the funding that they get from that to fund their campaigns. I think it's a brilliant thing. It removes the corporate interest and allows it to be directly your, you know, the people that support what you're doing in Congress. Yeah, no, I agree 100 percent. I'm all for it. But then again, too, selfishly, I've had a lot of Congress people in my spaces, so they'll come. They've come talk to us directly. <laughs> And so, you know, obviously, selfishly, I'm, <laughs> I I like that idea anyway. Uh, but they were, they were accessible. I mean, I had, how many, at one point, it's like six or seven in my space. We had Thomas Massey and Byron Donalds and Matt Gates, Lauren Bovert. Um, who else came by? Just George Santos. Um, a lot of people came by. And, and so talking to us directly. And they were telling us that, like, it did matter. Like, it, it did matter. They were telling us it didn't matter. It did matter. It mattered during the, the motion to vacate votes. It mattered a lot. So, again, I think we're starting to get to the point here where we can actually have a semblance of representation again in, in, in this country. So we'll see. But that's this is all good news moving the right direction. So it's got to keep up and keep on it, unfortunately. There's a lot of people that came before us that were able to just kind of coast through and not have to pay attention to any of this stuff. <laughs> we're not so lucky. So yeah, I think it looks like to me that there's finally starting to be the, the benefit side of the technology era, right? I mean, the, there, we've been kind of this limbo state before we reach now when like a, like you said, you have the congressman come in and directly talk to us. I mean, who could do that 50 years ago? That was impossible 50 years ago. I mean, maybe you could get on the switchboard and talk to somebody, but the chances of you actually speaking to your congressman on the night of a vote, while it's going on that, you know, that didn't exist just 10 years ago. So I think things are really starting to change. Yeah. I mean, li listen, we had what Matt Gates came in while they were still in the closed door meeting came by uh, Jim Jordan after the, after the vote, instead of going to the media and to the podium to address it, he came into the, into the space and answered questions with us first. So like we were there as it was going on while the vote was going on, while it was actually happening at night in DC and that was the first time that I think a lot of people got a glimpse into how it's going down and what was going down up there. And there was no filters. There was no bias filters. There was no spin filters. There was no advertiser friendly conversation. It was raw and just direct. And so, you know, that's why we got to keep on this. I think it's important. So, yeah, I mean, it brings it back to a human level, right? I mean, because you see the C-SPAN clips, you see the media of sound bites, you see all this stuff. But you have to remember that these people they're still just people. And if you get them in here to actually talk to us, which is fantastic that they've been doing that. I don't think that existed before Elon. I really don't. I mean, I, I know technically spaces existed before that, but I don't think they were anything compared to what they are now. I mean, now when people come in to talk in spaces, you can have three, 4,000 people in there listening. I mean, it, that's an audience for a congressman. A three, 4,000 person crowd is huge. Oh uh, yeah, it really is. 
It really is. I mean, that's, it's not uncommon in our spaces here, too. I mean, we had, what, 11,000 total uh, earlier this week with the Taibi space that we had with the CTI League files. So, you know, held that week that Nick and I were doing the, the vote in D.C. where all the Congress people were coming by, we had 20, 30, 40,000 people. Hell, Lou Dobbs was kicking it with us that week. He would come in, chat with everybody, answer questions, ask questions. Um, it's just, it's a, what a time to be alive, man. What a time to be alive. And that was 30, 40,000 people listening to that stuff. Yeah, That's- there was 40, it was 44,000 total. Cause I did the numbers afterwards because we had Dustin and Jen in there. So we wanted to see how many we had total over, over that week. 44,000 people. It was amazing. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a serious audience. And yeah. that's, listeners i mean that's that's not just you know random people barely watching the television like they do for cnn right because it's all social audio so you it's it's listening it's it's quite it was quite impactful well i know so i know savvy was going to come back she's got a bunch of phone calls obviously it was a big day for her so she's talking to her family and everything and congratulations to her for joining the trump campaign and team uh should be exciting things moving forward and obviously as her and I, we do these spaces moving forward. We're going to probably have additional guests. We'll be we'll be talking about additional topics, things like that. So just stay tuned for that. Uh, and obviously, we did, reviewed. Uh, did she mention if she was working with La Civita? No, no, she didn't mention any names. Okay, uh, but uh, yeah. So and then obviously today we talked about America First Policy Institute uh, Project Twenty Twenty Five. I'm probably going to wind this one down uh, because I know Jen is traveling and busy. And Tiff, or I'm sorry, Savvy will be, she'll be back eventually, but she's been on the phone quite a bit. So I'm probably just going to go ahead and wind this one down. We've been going for a couple hours now. So uh, a lot of great stuff, a lot of great things happening. Uh, We're obviously going to keep covering it. We're going to keep having these spaces. Savvy and I will be doing the Project 2025 spaces again. We we will be doing part three very soon. Obviously stay up with me on the censorship stuff because that's, that's one of my main beats that I cover. And uh, we will be keeping an eye out. I will probably have sporadic spaces as there's more content that comes out. Matt Taibbi did, in fact, do a part three of reporting for him uh, for the CTI League files, but it was exclusively on Substack. So I have been waiting a few more days um, for the traffic to go to his Substack before we have the space about it here. Yesterday, we did cover Schellenberger's uh, CTI League files drop yesterday. It was a small one, but it's a good one. There's more whistleblowers coming out. So as the whistleblowers come out from these government agencies and they're bringing this information and receipts, I will continue to cover it. We will have the spaces on it. We will have the guests in here and the people that know what they're talking about, especially around IE censorship industrial complex. And uh, I have no doubt that Matt will stop back by once we're covering his content again. He always does. He can't. He'll come in, answer some questions. He's really, really been gracious about that. And there's a lot of exciting things coming out that he's working on that he told us about. So Keep an eye on that. Uh, we will keep on keeping on, but it is a good Friday. Uh, there's a lot of really excellent happenings going on. And so we're just going to keep uh, all gas, no breaks. So, Any final words from anybody on our panel? Uh, and then I'll close it down. No, not, nothing much really, but Trash, I want to get with you about our America mission article that's going to come out and we'll have a space when we cover some of these disarm files. So I'll get with you offline. Um, but other than that, yeah, keep up with everyone here and, uh, definitely more to come in the future. Trash. Good stuff as always. Uh, you know, let's keep going. What do we got? 333 days till election day. So, uh, let's keep rocking and rolling everybody. It's going to go super fast, man. Super, super fast. I was just thinking, you know, it's almost a year since the speaker McCarthy vote. Yeah, it is January. 
It's crazy. Absolutely mind-blowing. One year and 20 pounds ago, Kevin McCarthy was fighting for his speakership, and now he's out of Congress. (laughs) (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, that's it for me today. Peace.